Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. And in anticipation of the release of Spider-Man No Way Home, we are going to complete our series of Spider-Man specials by going back to the one that started it all, Tobey Maguire and the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. And to help us do that, we brought on our largest panel of guests who are all in love with the original Spider-Man trilogy. First off is Zach Wolf, who is from Port Charlotte. Zach, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing we're amazing, lovely. Zach. Also That's joining us is Matt Beck, who is also from Port Charlotte. Matt, how are you? <laughs> doing good, guys. Very excited to talk about the Tobey Maguire. Wonderful. And, and we also have Bobby Weeder, who is also from Port Charlotte. <laughs> I don't think anyone listening will ever have heard of Port Charlotte either. <laughs> the best part. But yeah, so we actually just talk about Port Charlotte. I mean, nobody listens. <laughs> no, stop. All of Port Charlotte will listen. Yeah, we'll get the whole town in on it. Yeah. <laughs> only um, Port Charlotte people. We'll advertise it, but only in Port Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> we'll buy a billboard there or something. Yeah. Hello, it is future Dylan and Ryan, and we are here to bring you the news. And there is no news because we don't want to get any spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. Because this is later in the week than when we recorded the rest of the episode, our big rainy breakdown. And so far, I've been successful in avoiding spoilers. I don't even know what the Rotten Tomatoes score is for No Way Home. That's how hardcore I'm going on this. I know what the Metacritic score is. I won't say anything. Yeah, but I know don't. what it is because I accidentally okay. saw it. Yeah, I've but been I'm trying... I'm gonna avoid everything else. I'm gonna avoid Spencer as much as I can on Thursday after he sees it because we're not seeing it till Friday. Uh, I think I will be successful in avoiding spoilers. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna delete Instagram. I can't delete Instagram because I have to post for our show. I won't go oh, on no. Instagram. <laughs> Terrifying. I'll try yeah. and avoid Instagram. They're gonna start pouring out today and tomorrow. Yeah, they especially are. tomorrow. Because, well, the 15th, which is today, is when it opens in the UK. And I can't believe they did that. Why? Why did the British get it first? Damn so Brits. Spoilers are definitely going to rush in from there. And then, absolutely, tomorrow, like in the late afternoon, the evening, uh, the people that get to see the first opening night stuff are definitely going to start hitting the web and Dude. spoiling it. Tomorrow's so, gonna be the hardest because I'm gonna go see Nightmare Alley tomorrow night. So I'm going to the theater, and so I have to damn. weave through. And I might put on my noise canceling earbuds as I <laughs> you go need in, to. You so need that I can't to. hear people talking about it. That is crazy. Why are you doing that? Because I want to see Nightmare Alley, and also, what else am I doing tomorrow night? I just stay in and watch some Christmas movies instead of that. That's like that's a Everyone. minefield you're walking into, man. I have to do it, opening bro. night. Come on, I know it's so risky. It really is, but I really want to see my morality. I'm gonna be reading the book. I'm gonna finish the book today, and then I'm gonna be able to go see it tomorrow. I have to do it, bro. Gotcha. You have to. I love the book. I'm dedicated. Oh, that's good. That's good. I gotta rep the the Oscar nominations, bro. For our Oscar did you round. watch the original movie? Uh, if I have time today, I will because it's on the Criterion Channel, so I can. 
if I have time today after I finish the book, I will. But if not, I I, I don't really care that much. Gotcha. Okay. If I do, it'd be great because when we talk about Nightmare Alley, then I can compare. But we'll see. Nice. Well, I hope you definitely don't get spoiled. <laughs> That's pretty scary. I know it is. I think I'll be successful. Even if I get spoiled, it's not even that big of a deal. Like it's better to feel it in the theater, of course. But I'm not. It's fine. Let's do our box office breakdown for the weekend of December 10th to the 12th. Coming in first place is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story remake. It made $10.5 million from 2.8 thousand theaters, which is less than Eternals and Clifford have right now. Uh, it could have good legs. I don't think it will. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to open in more theaters as the weeks go on. So I think looking forward, it's probably going to make $8 million next week. Domestic total will probably not cross 60 by the end of its run, 60 or 70. Uh, global total, I don't know, maybe it'll get close to like 100 globally. I don't know. Not, not I mean, it's all right. Not great. Well, yeah, it's certainly not the biggest opening, but I do think that it'll have good legs throughout the holiday season, and especially as it gets into award season, it looks like it's being thought of fondly by critics and whatnot so i think this is not one that people are going to rush out to immediately mm -hmm. like a spider-man movie is this is one that i think people are going to leisurely come to but yeah and the reason i put in that whole like it's opening in 2.8 thousand theaters like that's significantly fewer theaters than what Encanto has right now and ghostbusters and even house of gucci so it's not like it was opening in 4,000 theaters and it only got 10 million it was already a somewhat scaled back version of a wide release. And it's definitely one that I think they're anticipating is going to be something that families will come to throughout the winter season and not something they're going to immediately jump on right away. At least that's the hope because, yeah, this opening at 10.5 million, less than what In the Heights got in their opening weekend. And that had HBO Max. So not a good look, but again, this one has not that many theaters for a major wide release. So mm -hmm. hopefully it'll be able to gather up some steam as we move forward to the Oscars and whatnot. Did you end up catching this movie? You said you were going to go see it last weekend. I did not. Did you say it's on HBO Max? Well, I said In the Heights was on HBO Max. Oh, sorry. I, I tuned out for a second. <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna i was thinking about going tonight to go see it but i also want to avoid i guess i won't see spider-man propaganda tonight but still going out to a theater area is probably still nah I, it's how are you gonna rationalize <laughs> you yeah. said i can't go see Wesley Story tonight but on opening night of spider-man i can go yeah to the theater. <laughs> I, I can go tonight but i my biggest problem is i don't really like, I want to see it, but I don't really want to go tonight because I want to finish Nightmare Alley so that I can go the book. the book so I can go tomorrow. What I've if... only got 70 pages left and or less than 70 pages left. So I'm very close to finishing the book. Yeah, you can knock that out. Yeah, exactly. Very quick. How about this? What if you and I go see Drive My Car? Tonight? Yeah. What time? 730. How long is it? It's three hours, right? Yes, it's a one. <laughs> And I have to wake up at 5 a.m. again tomorrow, I think. But when, el theater. when else am I going to get the opportunity to see it? You want to do it? Uh, yeah, I'll probably go tonight. That sounds like fun. Okay, cool. So moral of the story is 
You will see West Side Story at some point, but not tonight because we're going to go see Drive My Car. Yep. Next. And coming in second place after West Side Story was Encanto with $10 million, the Disney flick. Is that Pixar? Uh, this is Disney. I thought it was just Disney. I wasn't sure. Ghostbusters Afterlife comes in third with $7 million. House of Awful, I mean Gucci, made <laughs> $4 million. Eternals has $3 million, which gives it a domestic total of $161 million. Which just beats out No Time to Die's domestic total of 160 Ooh, million. Shit. Nice. You're lucky I didn't put the worldwide totals in there, buddy. I gave Fuck you a win on this one. <laughs> After that was Resident Evil with 1.6 million. Clifford, 1.3 million. Christmas with the Chosen, which I'm assuming has to be a Christian movie, it, made 1.2 million. You know, Imagine that made... if it wasn't. <laughs> That movie made more than The Last Duel. Isn't that phenomenal? A round of applause for the Christians. <laughs> they really, I mean, they come out in spades. That's insane. I didn't even hear of that movie. So I don't know what circles, like what specific Christian communities were hearing of that. But the Westboro Baptist. they all went out, apparently. After that, we have Dune with 870,000. That brings its domestic total to 106 million and its worldwide total to 390 million. It just might eke past 400 million worldwide, but domestically, there doesn't seem to be a lot left in the tank, so we won't be much help for that. But Guys, let's all go see. If everybody <laughs> goes to see Dune one more time, we can get it there. We can do it. It'd be a lot. Venom made $570,000, which is probably the last time we will see Venom, whether it be Carnage on our top 10. Indeed. Goodbye. All right. And yeah, No Time to Die has dropped off the top 10. Sad. But when things fall away, new things enter the picture. And coming up this week, we have Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man. Yes, beautiful. So I thought it'd be fun. so predictable. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun to do some predictions uh, uh, tied together with a little box office mini game. We're going to talk about some Spider-Man box office facts. So Dylan. Yeah. Did you know every um, single live action Spider-Man movie has grossed over 700 million worldwide? That is amazing. Spider-Man is a is. hit for sure. He is, and the very first Spider-Man film in 2002. It was the first ever film to gross more than $100 million in its opening weekend. It set Amazing. that record, and of course we now know, I mean, the highest openings belong to big blockbuster superhero films, so it was the one to ring in this new era in which we are living, and now... Dylan, you're going to participate in a Spidey box office game where I ask you a question about the box office performance of each of the live-action Spider-Man movies, all the ones we've talked about in our little Spider-Man specials. Yeah. And you will try to provide the correct answer. Uh -huh. And we'll see how you do out of five questions. All right. And I'm going to go out of order, so you're looking at the thing. We'll yeah, switch great. it up. Yeah, you tell All right. The first one I'm going to ask is, which movie grossed more than one billion worldwide. That is an easy question. The answer is very obviously we covered it. Far from home. Indeed, correct. That was a layup. You got it. Far from home is the first and only Spider-Man movie to cross one billion worldwide. 
All right. The next question. Which Spider-Man movie had the highest opening weekend? I'm going to go with... This is going to be... I think I will be correct. Highest opening... Highest opening domestically or worldwide? Uh, domestic. Mm, I'm going to go with Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3, he says. The answer is Spider-Man 3. Yes! Two for two. Indeed, he got it. He got it. All right, what about the lowest opening domestically? I think I know this one, too. Is it Amazing Spider-Man 2? It is not. Whoa. It is actually the Amazing Spider-Man 1. Damn. I was between the two of them, and I thought maybe Amazing Spider-Man 2 got the hype from Amazing Spider-Man 1, so maybe it was a bit higher. But then I remember looking at the difference between the two at the box office, and Amazing Spider-Man 2 just did so much worse. I was like, there's no way that the opening was better, and then it got worse. But I guess it did. I guess Amazing Spider-Man 1 just had better legs. It did. It did. All right. The next one. Which movie opened at 88 million domestically. Mm, this is a very okay. So it's lower than the first Spider-Man because we said that was the first film ever to get 100 million. This is true. Weekend. So it's not Spider-Man three, and I don't think it's either of the Tom Hollands. Specifically, 88 million. Hmm. Well, I'm going to take a clue from those eights, and I'm going to say the Doc Ock movie itself, Spider-Man two. Wow! Incredible. Did I get it right? It is, in fact, Spider-Man 2. Let's go. Brilliant, brilliant work. And finally, which movie had the highest domestic box office total at $402 So I know the one that grossed the most of the Raimi trilogy was Spider-Man 3. I know it's not either of the Amazing Spider-Mans. And I know the one that grossed the highest of the Tom Hollands is... Uh, Far From Home. So it's either Far From Home or Spider-Man 3. Because I feel like they're going to have the highest domestic box office as one of those two. But it could also be Homecoming. Mm, It's one of those three I know for a fact. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... Is it Homecoming? It is not. God damn it. This may be a bit surprising, but it's actually the very first Spider-Man movie. Damn, really? Yes. You know, the highest domestic, Mm -hmm. but Spider, a bunch of other ones just did better. A bunch of other ones, like their international totals contributed a lot to the worldwide. So here's the rundown domestically uh, in order, chronological order. So it goes Spider-Man 403 million. Spider-Man 2, 373. Spider-Man 3, 336. So it went down for each of the Raimis. Amazing Spider-Man had 262. Amazing Spider-Man 2 had 202. Then it came back up with Homecoming, 334. And then Far From Home was the closest, 390 million. But it never hit 400 million like that first one did. Do you think No Way Home will take the top spot? We will have to see, but I really, if they got Toby in there again. Toby McGuire is the only way you can bring it back up? Yeah, I think so. But looking at it, I mean, look at how much, 
how well they did way back in 02, 04, 07. I mean, yeah. if you adjust this for inflation, it's definitely going to run away with it. Like Spider-Man 2 and 3 would still have higher domestic totals than Homecoming and Far From Home. So I think there's yeah. definitely a factor there mm-hmm. with Maguire. Now let's so, do some predictions for No Way Indeed. Home, and to help us with those predictions, we have some information about the pre-sales. And guess what? Yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home is the fourth Spider-Man movie to open at $100 million because it already has that much in pre-sales. Insane. It's also the biggest pandemic opening film with $100 million. It beats out Venom that had $90 million. God Look damn. at that. Is that hundred million? That's worldwide pre-sales, right? No, that is domestic. What the fuck? That's yes, that's what I'm saying. What the fuck? And it's also it is the sixth film to have a hundred million in pre-sales, behind all three of the new Star Wars films and the new trilogy, and Infinity War and Endgame. So Elite Company, No Way Home is in, and of those films that I just mentioned, the Star Wars trilogy and Infinity War and Endgame. All of them except one film had $200 million opening, and every single one had $175 million and up. What was the one that didn't cross 200 You want to take a guess on that one? <laughs> Which one didn't? The most recent Star Wars. Yes. Rise of Skywalker only got $177 million. But yeah. even then, that's nuts. That's insane. It's so, insane that Rise of Skywalker still had $100 million in pre-sales. I know people, they wanted a great finale. Star Wars, but God, it was bad. Yeah, it's kind of insane how they think that. Like, The Force Awakens was far and away the most anticipated film up to that point. And then it became Endgame. But, like, The Force Awakens is still the highest grossing domestic film. Like, it got 900 million just in the States, which was gnarly. Endgame couldn't even match that. Bro, the U.S. loves its its fucking Star Wars, man. It does, and it's sad to it's see that ridiculous kind of killed that that love. That buzz. Mandalorian is bringing it back, and we'll see. It could have made so much more money if they really put in the work. I know if they would have just hey planned a trilogy from the beginning, it would have been easy. But anyway, we're not talking about Star Wars. We're talking about Spider Man, Spider Man, and how successful they are in bringing back all the different threads, all the different franchises together for this one culmination no way home what do you think it will get in its opening weekend i'm gonna say 215 wow 215 million i'm going to pretty much agree i think it'll get over 200 million and we'll see like where exactly it lands because it it could be pretty much anywhere but I'm gonna go even higher. I'm gonna say 225 million. Goddamn. We'll see who's the closest. The closest one uh wins um the closest one I, I don't know. What what do we win, Ryan? <laughs> what do we get? Win. Who gets closest? I'm trying to think of something Spider-Man themed that we could win from each other. I don't know. You buy my ticket or I buy your ticket. I suppose I don't know. We buy each other's third ticket to the theater. <laughs> Because we go multiple times. What do you think the total gross will be for Spider-Man No Way Home? And keep in mind... Far From Home was 1 point what billion? 1.2? It was 1.128, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think No Way Home will definitely get more than that. 
mm-hmm. it is in the leagues right now of Endgame and Infinity War and the Star Wars trilogy, so it's in the high one billions, but I don't think it will cross two billion. I'm gonna say it is still pandemic time, so I will say by the end, no more than one and a half billion. Wow. I would say one point three billion, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I'll go one point four billion. Just because I always want to <laughs> overestimate it. Because I want to manifest good things for it. But yeah, it definitely seems like some mofos are out here talking about 500 million opening weekend worldwide, mm-hmm. which is gnarly. Like, again, things we haven't seen since Endgame. Endgame. So we'll see how much that is able to be sustained. Like, if it's just one big flash at the beginning of everyone wanting to go see yeah. it, but then if it doesn't live up, people, it just sort of uh, dwindles and people don't go see it more and more. But I'm going to think, I'm going to stay positive, think that China will get a release date in time before play. Uh, people get to pirate it a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. So that we'll get like 100 million to 200 million from China. I think that, I think that because all of my movies are out for the box office draft, if you do make 500 million worldwide this weekend, you will officially win. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so if it makes, if it makes a certain amount this weekend, you will just, we could just crown you the winner next week. Cause we don't whole... have to wait. Nah, I mean we gotta wait. We, so we gotta to get see, the full. We will. I mean, we will see. I want to see the full thing, extent. But, but of my we don't even have to wait for Matrix, bro. <laughs> Matrix That's true. That's crazy. We don't even need the Matrix. Honestly, yeah, no. bro, we should have excluded Spider Man. I mean, no. Anyone who has Spider Man was obviously going to be the winner. It is twice. We'll, we'll it's going to make we'll... twice as much money as any <laughs> other movie that was on our list. It's going to make twice as much as F Nine. It's going to make twice as much as No Time to Die. It, it was definitely we knew it'd be big we knew it'd also be the number center. one but we didn't know it'd be this big like this is insane we should have excluded it i'm gonna say cheater cheater no. pumpkin eater nah shut your mouth you didn't even need the matrix dude we'll see we'll do and the math probably also jungle cruise you're <laughs> we'll probably gonna win with three let alone five we'll do the math and see like how many <laughs> films we could have taken out of my roster and still been i bet you could have won with just Spider-Man Spider-Man and no no time to die I bet you could have had just those two. No Venom, no Jungle Cruise, and no Matrix, and you probably still would have beaten me, all five of mine. And I blame Suicide Squad for the most of it. Well, I mean, all of them. We'll talk Suicide about Suicide we'll Squad whole... underperformed. And Eternals, I blame those two. We'll do a whole reflection on what went down. Yeah. But yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home is not going to disappoint. Thank you so much. It'll feel Bitch. so good to have you as my the crown jewel. So I'll yeah. win I'll win the Oscar one, I swear to God. Yeah, we'll see about that one. House uh, of that Gucci, one I think will definitely be up. Yeah, right, right. A lot yeah, right. closer. This one, yeah, we knew. Power we of the Dog and Licorice Pizza are gonna clean up. Right, right, right. All right. Well that about wraps it up for us. You're the box office talk. So now you will get to hear our discussion with Bobby and Matt and Zach about all those Raimi Spider-Man films, the classics. Enjoy.
yes, we're going cheap. to talk about the Raimi Spider-Man films. And to start off our discussion, I just want to know, how did all of y'all first get introduced to these films? When did you first watch them? How has your love of them grown and evolved over the years? Bobby, do you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I just love these movies. I actually don't think I saw the first one in theaters. I mean, what was it? A one? Sort of at four? Um, so, yeah. But I remember, I, like, I got it on VHS and I watched it, like, nonstop. And then Spider-Man 2, I do remember vividly going to theaters and seeing it. I got Burger King with my mom and my friend beforehand, <laughs> and it was it was a great time. And I remember I enjoyed it so much. I also remember it like in the Doc Ock like horror scene, I just had the biggest smile on my face, and I looked over at like my friend, and she was like crying. She was so scared, <laughs> and that movie's just amazing. And yeah, I fell in love from there on out. Yeah. Is this friend also from Port Charlotte? Yeah, yes. I don't <laughs> we should have broke her arm. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was so long ago. I don't even remember who it was, really. He said, who was she? <laughs> who was she? The mystery girl you saw Spider-Man 2 with. Maybe your mom would know. She's the one listener. This is yeah. how you guys going to reconnect. <laughs> Matt, how did you fall in love with Sam Raimi? Because I know you and Zach are Sam Raimi super fans. Oh, all of yeah. His movies. Absolutely. Um, I think for the first two Spider-Man movies, I don't know if I caught either in theaters, at least remembering them. I might have been small and just was brought along for it. Um, but I loved them and just watching them at home. And then I think the first one that I really remembered was Spider-Man 3. And coming out of that at the ripe age of like eight years old, I was like, yes, <laughs> this was amazing. And now time has settled and it, it's gone through peaks and valleys and it's back up at kind of a peak in a different way now. It has aged gracefully, I think. So that's been my journey with Spider-Man so far. Zach, do you concur about Spider-Man 3? Is that how you first encountered it? Well, I I love Spider-Man like growing up, like on the VHS, kind of like Bobby said. Like I remember the Nickelback music video at the end <laughs> yeah, of the VHS. <laughs> and I was singing that in the car today to prep for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I loved the like the movies growing up and everything. But Spider-Man Three was like the first movie I saw like multiple times in the movie theater. Like I saw it like I think like four or five times in the movie theater, which is insane because I'm seven years old. <laughs> so it's like yeah, who took you that many times? <laughs> well, my mom worked at the worked at the movie theater, so she at was the like Port manager. Charlotte Mall. Yes, <laughs> yeah, she was. Word. She was the manager there, so I just come on her work days, and she just let me go see Spider Man for free, so, for free, Some yeah, free ticket. Whoa. No, actually, she she wanted me to pay up. So you got you got to pay. <laughs> like, she charged you extra. Seven, she said they be yeah. an seven years old now. Yeah, you can pay. You're seven years old. You can mow lawns. <laughs> you lazy bum. Brian, how did you first interact with these movies? Okay, so with these movies, it definitely was Spider-Man 3. That was the first time that I went in in a theater. Because I was six. Because I came out like May 07. So I was very Wait, young. how so old was... are all of us? I am 21. I'm also 21. I'm 21. I'm also 21. I guess I was seven then. <laughs> they came <laughs> out. The I, just, like, I, defer, I think I said I'm I was 24. Eight. <laughs> 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 okay. I think we're all seven. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, well, except Bobby. Yeah. Well, I guess old you could have been six years old if you were one where you're born. Well, yeah, we're late. Well, I was. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I was a late summer baby, and so okay. it came out in yeah. May, I believe. So you're, so. you're probably oh, six. yes. Indeed, indeed. So how did your six-year-old self react to it, Ryan? Dude, I loved it so much. <laughs> it was so good. I mean, yeah, I'm six years old. I'm not gonna think about like how lazy some of the plot lines were or clunky <laughs> a lot of the acting and dialogue was. I just saw great action, saw Spidey up there. It was an absolute thrill ride. I loved it. And plus, I was just immersed in Spider-Man stuff anyway. I mean, I remember the animated series. Always loved watching that. I had multiple Spider-Man games on the PS2 that I was always trying to play. I remember like very, very young when <laughs> I was first trying to play it. I was so young that I just didn't know how to like work the controller. Yeah. My mom was trying to teach me, but she didn't know how to work the controller. She knew nothing about video games. And so I was just sitting there crying, trying to figure out how to play <laughs> Spider-Man, how to swing, and I couldn't do it. Um, so I was very much in love with all things Spider-Man. And yeah, Spider-Man 3, I remember seeing that in theaters. And then I remember seeing it so often on television, cable television, on the FX channel, watching just over and over again. And they would always have these special featurettes of like how they would do the Sandman CGI scene that is burned into my brain like watching <laughs> you were literally talking about so <laughs> yeah so I absolutely loved it um then and then it goes through that period as you were talking about Matt of like well is it good it's kind of bad yeah but I'm definitely firmly on the camp now of it's actually good it's good and it's also beautiful meme material it's just entertaining throughout so I will be an advocate for Spider-Man 3 when we get to it but yeah the whole trilogy is an absolute classic masterpiece all right, incredible. And how about you, Dylan? Oh, geez. Uh, so it's hard to remember. I mean, I was six years old. I don't remember a lot from that time. Right. Uh, I think vaguely I remember seeing my dad and my brother watching Spider-Man 1 and 2, like, a lot at home. And so I'd see clips of it, and I'd be like, this is super cool. I wish I had the attention span to sit down and, and watch all of it. And I think I might have seen Spider-Man 3 in theaters. I, have, I just cannot even remember. I have no idea. But I do remember they had... The, the spider-man 3 ps3 game yes. and i was yeah. i saw it when mm -hmm. i was in gamestop and there was a thing on the back of it that said if you buy it for the ps3 specifically you can play as green goblin and i was like yeah. new goblin. you play as the harry osborne new goblin <laughs> and i was so excited <laughs> and the thing with the the ps3 is the dual shot controller had that uh it was like the the sensory six thing axis. where it could set yeah the six axis where you could tell yeah. when it would tilt and so the way you flew the new goblin thing is that you would have to tilt the controller to tilt it in a specific direction and i remember spending just hours trying to figure out how to do this not having <laughs> remembered anything from the movie and just trying to play along and so my entire recollection up until today when i rewatched spider-man 3 was from that game and the game is not accurate to the movie like the way venom dies is not is different I and i so i was like waiting for that time to happen and venom died a different way and i was like what that's not right because the only thing i remember from this movie is from the game which isn't correct <laughs> that's Wait, so did you did you never go back and rewatch spider-man 3 from I when you it, first saw it i watched it today well before that though I think I may have. I don't remember because I, when I was watching it today, there were a lot of scenes that I just did not remember at all. <laughs> so it's very possible that I had not seen it since the maybe the first time I watched it. Dang, yeah, well, well, I, remember, reaction. I remember two of those video games. They would always come out before the movie. Really? So they probably oh, yeah. yeah. So they probably didn't want to spoil stuff. But oh, I, I guess that's like true. Spider Man one or two. If those games spoil them, I don't remember the game. Well, well, I don't, because it's the same way with like 
the amazing Spider-Man games when they came out as well. Like they would have yeah. loose connections to what it is, yeah. but they would also fold in a bunch of other villains and yeah, have a sure. bunch of side plots uh-huh. and whatnot. So that's I remember, more what it was. I remember the Spider-Man two game was accurate to the story, other than the fact that it added in more storylines just to make right. it longer. But the actual story that was part of the movie was correct. Like the whole final battle was you in the the falling apart pier trying to stop Doc Ock, mm-hmm. and they have the scene where you're stopping dog Ock from blowing up the city and then his wife dies i remember see you can see his wife's body just laying there just swinging around trying to stop it and i'm like this is horrible oh <laughs> like she's just laying there and i'm like god damn it's probably rated to eat a for everyone <laughs> it is i'm sure i should play that game again that he's is a fantastic up. game <laughs> i remember okay. i i was like seven years old trying to play spider-man 3 on the pc and it just didn't work because it was on my mom's laptop and i was like no like it it would boot up like i think the opening frame and then just crash (laughs) do you have the same thing with an old scooby-doo game on my gamecube is something's wrong with the disc so i put it in and i get the loading screen and hit play game and it just crashes yeah (laughs) it's just a disappointment true that's the the biggest deal as a kid (laughs) but all right the movies offer way better stuff than those games that crash do we're gonna start off with spider-man the first one came out in 2002 actually bobby you said 01 yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah I definitely don't remember um so yeah definitely don't remember the first time because i would have had to been like seeing it after the fact because i don't think i, I would have been brought in as a one-year-old baby yeah, no, right. But You're youngins. For real. But okay, so with this one, it is our introduction to the new world of Spidey. And we'll start out with just talking about the man himself, Toby Maguire, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. What do you guys think about him in the role? Iconic. <laughs> An ass icon. Enough said. And podcast. <laughs> the only choice. I think he's best in this movie because he's owning the setup of it, which is being the nerdy Peter Parker and like doing those first few like 10, 20 minutes where he's just that kid. And he really sells that a lot and watching him change as like his uncle dies and he goes through these problems and he goes through these changes as uh, Spider-Man. I think he really knows how to, to play it well through there. And I think he does a lot of good work in, in uh, Spider-Man two, but uh, I think he's doing his best acting in Spider-Man one, Tobey Maguire's. Yeah. That's a good case. I feel like the biggest criticism against Toby is he looks too old. Mm-hmm. But, like, I guess that never bothered me growing up because everybody in movies in high school was too old. So yeah. it's just, like, that's just how people looked. And now it's, like, Tom Holland does look like he's in high school. So mm-hmm. if you compare it to that, yes. But I guess, like, movies back then, he did look like what a high school kid looked like in the movies. But I don't know. Yeah. I think he's the best. He's also just, like, Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield are so hot. They're too hot to be Peter. Like, how Toby dare Maguire, you slander you know, Toby? Yeah, he's a beautiful man. If I was gonna say anything about Toby, is that he's just not hot enough. I mean, there are some shots where he's like screaming, and his nose makes like a diamond. And he looks well, he's really screaming. Weird. Hello, no one's yeah, gonna no, look attractive when they're. Yeah. Some people do. So Toby ugly. does not. It's great. I, I don't know. I love him because he's ugly and funny looking, and with his eyes, he looks awful. And He's an ugly that puppy. Is Peter Parker to me, but yeah. <laughs> he definitely delivers the raw emotion, sometimes to a mm-hmm. fault. 
Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's too much. <laughs> but I think just like with the nostalgia and like the time and getting it with all of our two-year-old minds, it was just burned into <laughs> us. Mm-hmm. It just feels normal. Like it just feels right. So like his his tears, they're fine. <laughs> like the way he just awkwardly talks to Mary Jane uh, in the backyard. They're just like, I don't know. Their interaction is not normal, but it feels normal to us. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely nostalgia lenses going on here. Yes. I also um, feel like... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you take it away. I, I feel like we don't really see him as, like, too old. Because when we saw it, he was just an older guy to us. So, like, everyone... Like Bobby said, everyone just looks older. So, it just it makes... Yeah, it just doesn't compute that, like, oh, yeah, he's too old for the role. Because I feel like he's the perfect age for the role. <laughs> Because I'm like I'm two years old at heart. <laughs> they also didn't do like the Dear Evan Hansen thing. Like everybody equally looks thirty years old together. Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, older. yeah, Flash. Flash. That is very true. Yes, like that is true. That's like, he is so grown. I wouldn't want to be me either. That's very true, dude. It, the teacher that they're on the field trip with, to, like the Osborne thing, he looks the exact same age. The only difference <laughs> is, is he's true. just old. <laughs> that's the only distinguishing factor. Yeah. It's so funny. I never thought about that. They all do. It just looks like a bunch of grown-ups on a field trip. It even feels like he has to like act a little too stern yeah. to like assert himself <laughs> as the adult in the situation. Right. <laughs> he catches the ball. Stop that. Yeah. He gave him some glasses because he's yep. supposed to be a teacher. Like, please wear these. <laughs> people will know. <laughs> <laughs> you look too much like the other so high schoolers. We're gonna have to age I'm you up a bit. All of our favorite Spider-Man is Toby. Yes. Okay. There's no. Yeah. Fans I answered right everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I. I love them all for different okay. reasons, but I think overall, yes, if I, had to I would pick say so. Because again, there's Toby. definitely, like, I don't know, the crying that he does. Sometimes it can be over the top, but I mean, he's a little I, nerd. I think it works. I think it works yeah. for like what's going on there. I mean, he's meant to be. I kind of overly sentimental and whatnot. So I like that aspect. I like the way he plays it, especially I think he does embody the whole like nerdy, unpopular, pushover, bullied kid really well. Like he, the way, like his voice mm-hmm. and Tom Holland has like kind of that like high voice that makes you think of him like as a kid. Um, but Tobey Maguire, the way he is able to utilize that, it definitely feels like, yeah, he's just that unconfident, has no self-esteem, um, anything like that to him so i think he plays that part really well uh and there's i think he has the best material as well like he goes through the best arc i think in homecoming there's definitely a great arc that he had as well but in here in spider one and two and even in three they made an effort we'll talk about it but mm-hmm. but they there's yeah, like legitimate I mean, I agree, yeah. arcs we'll that get there, he has yeah. to go through and i think toby's able to nail it at each step along that arc Mm-hmm. Um, especially as you said, Dylan, in this first one, like this origin story, he definitely is able to deliver here. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just it's so fun and entertaining throughout. Like the whole bit about him getting his powers and discovering them, like that was the funnest montage. Um, that we got the drawings, um, uh, the drawings, yes, yes, <laughs> oh, yeah. those are great. And they're all terrible drawings, and then all of a sudden, it's just this, this perfect comic representation oh, of what Spider Man is just comes yeah. out of nowhere. I also feel like there's so much more stuff, it's great stuff, in these movies than like the ones, yeah. 
Yeah, it feel it's the closest I've ever yeah. felt to a comic book actually being put on the screen is what Sam Raimi's doing, which is what's so impressive. And that's part of why I don't like Spider-Man 3 as much as it kind of falls flat in that regard. But Spider-Man, this first Spider-Man is definitely like to the max with that comic booky style, especially with like <laughs> what they do with Will He Defoe. goes for it and it's beautiful. And all, all the wild yeah, this stuff film definitely, he does. It has a personality to it that yeah. we just don't get nowadays from the mainstream comic book movies because they're all yeah. trying to follow that formula, mm-hmm. trying to stay connected to everything mm-hmm. else. So this is they're a great change playing. of pace, revisiting that. Um, and then, yeah, it's just corny and goofy and unabashedly so. Like, it leans into it. It knows what it's doing. And it's great to see. And that carries throughout the mm-hmm. whole trilogy. Like, the whole Bully Maguire, the dance numbers at, in the third movie. Like, all that stuff is carrying through this thread of just being goofy, <laughs> just going for it. Um, so, yeah, love that. Uh, and then talking about Uncle Ben's death. So, this is the famous origin story. Like every single person on earth really knows it. Um, and it got popularized because it is. So what did you guys think of how that took place? Uncle Ben's death. It's really good in this movie. It's it's really bad in The Amazing Spider-Man, but it's really done well in this movie because you don't see him get shot. We don't see any. We just see the aftermath of Peter's actions. And that builds up to like the surprise of learning that the guy he let go is the guy who shot Uncle Ben. And then you have you deal with that guilt with Peter as he's learning it, which is a really good like perspective that the audience gets. Uh, I like how they frame it as being like a conversation that he, Peter has with Ben before anything happens. And it's his last conversation that he has with him. And it's that important thing that is always built up throughout the rest of the movies. In the second movie, he has like a... a like a dream sequence with Ben, but he's still sitting in that car seat with him. And so that's like that conversation weighs on him still to this. So like, it's the thing that drives him to be Spider-Man is that converse, that final conversation he has with him. And so I think it's, it's just done so well. It the does. amazing Spider-Man. Well, we talked yeah, about and it. And they tried special, to do the whole bit about, <laughs> you said what? I love how he dies in Amazing Spider-Man. Why? Him running after the gun for no reason. <laughs> it's just like, oh. <laughs> he just goes like, for the gun. Hey, hey, and then he gets shot. So silly. <laughs> he just runs across the street. It's so, I don't know. Like, it's just so like rushed in that movie. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like, like you said, it's so earned in this movie, but mm-hmm. also still has the meme factor that makes it very entertaining because all the lines leading up to his death are like so funny with like the, the wrestling, like, whatever that person is that like, deals with the right, money, right. the account, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. That, that's like one of the things about the Rami movies that the others just don't do. Every side character in these movies is perfect. Like a- every oh, single yeah. one. Yeah. Like it's like Bruce Campbell playing like the waiter in the second one or like the hostess. Yeah. And like Forever. all of that. Is yeah. They had that so good. <laughs> the obviously now famous line of the, I missed the part where that's my problem. And they tried to do that in The Amazing Spider-Man. They're like, we can't say the exact words. Let's try to do something similar <laughs> with not my policy or something like that. And it was just, it was embarrassing to see it. But in this one, like that was well done. And also the way <laughs> that they policy. frame it to where you fully understand why Peter believes that he is responsible for this. And he is so guilty about it that that's the motivating factor for becoming Spider-Man. Uh, we don't see like the scuffle or the fight or anything that we do in The Amazing Spider-Man. We just see... Peter letting the guy go and then he comes and finds his uncle dead shot dead and then he goes and finds the perpetrator and it's that guy so we immediately understand how he's making that connection of 
this is all on me. This is because I was selfish. I wasn't, you know, listening to my <laughs> uncle's advice. Um, and it got him killed. Like, this is on me. And that that comes back around in Spider-Man 2 in an amazing way, which we'll talk about. But, um, yeah, I love the way that this, and it's a similar thing in The Amazing Spider-Man that they do where they have him, um, like, they have him become Spider-Man fully to seek out the guy that um, had killed his uncle. And this one, they clear that up much more quickly. Like, he immediately goes and chases him right afterwards and then confronts him. And then the dude trips out of the building so that he's clean. He didn't technically kill him, so he still can be a hero. Um, but then he reflects on the words, with great power comes great responsibility. He's like, okay, now I need to spring into action. And then he starts designing the suit. <laughs> so, yeah. Is this is this anyone's... Uh... Dylan. Favorite of the trilogy? I go almost back up. and forth a little bit. This one might be. It was before I rewatched them. Oh yeah, I, I just I, yeah. I go back and forth between one and two, that? and I think I land on one. Willem Dafoe is a big part of yeah. that too, <laughs> which we'll talk about more. But but yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I think oh, one yeah. just has a really Good special point, place yeah. for me. <laughs> that I think that one, but just like emotionally, yeah. one I think gets me. Gotcha. Yeah, I think growing up, I don't know if it was like this for you guys. I think this is the one I've seen the le- the least out of the three, for sure. Oh, really? It's like Spider Man Three. Yeah, it was on yeah. TV like every day, and then yeah. Spider Man Two. I just had on DVD and would just watch constantly. But I have seen Spider Man One a bunch of times, but I don't think anywhere near the other two. But yeah, yeah. I think I've seen Spider-Man for sure. the most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I've definitely seen Spider-Man yeah. two the most. Yeah. I'm, I'm not mad at I think that's the one I've yeah. seen the least. I think it might be. I think really. it was three one. Yeah, I had to rewatch like part of that last night. Mm. Just not because I forget it, but like just because it's not as ingrained in me as. Yeah. One so of go ahead and talk about so. Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, Norman Osborn. Why is that so incredible? And the thing that, <laughs> the oh thing God. that pushes. Iconic. Spider-Man over Spider-Man 2 for you. Iconic. So, I mean, Alfred Molina is also fantastic as Doc Ock, and his scene in Spider-Man 2 was also great. But I think just, like, Willem Dafoe's performance, and it's the same with Toby too. but, like, just with Spider-Man 1, they do fully lean completely into the camp, and they just own it completely. And Willem Dafoe, all of his scenes, like, it never feels like you're cutting away to, like, the villain scene, and we're not with the main plot anymore. Like, you're still very invested in what's happening with him. And the entire transformation scene for him, too, is also great. It's iconic. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, back to formula. Yeah. All of it. It's just, it's wonderful. And also his his uh, Dr. Strong, <laughs> his assistant formula. or whatever. He's also, <laughs> he tried. He tried Poor to be dude. a good guy. But, I mean, he, he paid he for it. his job. But, yeah. No, I... I <laughs> <laughs> i also i know for me like i don't have any problems with uh the green goblin suit i know people think it's kind of like power rangery sometimes i don't have any problems with mm-hmm. it personally i feel I think it works. the same way that's also just because that was probably like the first iteration yeah that i had been exposed to but i just how else are you going to adapt that like i haven't seen mm-hmm. a design that is Ugh. better than that they, the they went for it like halfway. Dane the Dane was terrible. Yes, that was, <laughs> so it's an even worse version. So yeah, that now it proves. <laughs> yeah, that this suit was fine. Yeah, 
What are you guys' thoughts on them changing the Green Goblin suit for No Way Home? Oh, I don't even I, know I'm, about that. Yeah, oh, yeah they're changing. It's in all the like the what have they adjusted and about it? and stuff. Yeah, I, I've seen. There's like he starts the movie in like his original suit, and then at oh, some okay. point he's gonna okay. change it because he becomes like a a, a different suit. Mm-hmm. Like he he changes the suit, so we still see the original one, which would be great. Yeah, yeah, I saw. But like, he looks like a, different. Looks it's like, a, kinda, like a, it's like a, a black scarf that's kind of down. On yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Did you see they they copy and pasted him <laughs> yeah. into two different posters? How is Sony so bad at posters? <laughs> like of that, all yeah. the posters they released, one is good, and, uh, like not even that good. Like I've seen better fan yeah. posters. I just don't understand. It's like yeah. okay. Oh, the posters beautiful, the so beautiful, so good. Fire. They're amazing. Yeah, they're simple. They're simple and they're effective. Even the, even the Spider-Man Star- 3 one was good. Oh. Where it's just the black suit and the red suit staring at each fantastic, other. Yeah. Like even that still works. Even yeah. like the Amazing Spider-Man one, so I feel like they're pretty good. That's true. The Amazing yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, the first right, one yeah. particularly. I love that poster yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It gave off the stylism of what those movies ended up being <laughs> very well. Just playing. Do you, do you guys like... <laughs> uh, so where do you guys stand on, on Kirsten Dunst? I think she's awesome. I think she's good too. I'm, not, I'm good. I'll defend. I think she's good. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, I, I I'm not like 100, percent but I I do like her. That's true. It helps I'm, that I grew up. I am also yeah. It, it that does help. Pro Kirsten Dunst as Mary J. Watson. I think mm-hmm. it's good because I was thinking about that in comparison to like the love interests we've had in the MCU version, where the first one was like Liz, and then the second one was Michelle. And did we get that much depth with either of them as we do with like Mary Jane having her own like legitimate ambitions with the acting career? And then we see her struggling with that. Like she's in the city and then we see her walking out of that, that same diner from yeah, Tick, no. Tick, Boom. What's that called? It's not quite as yeah. much. Is that oh, like an yeah. actual famous like diner <laughs> <in> dance? <laughs> Crazy. But she comes out of that and she's yeah, like, it's a real diner. computer that she's yeah. working there um, mm-hmm. to make money. And then also the idea of her getting like that abusive mm-hmm. household, like getting really criticized by the father. Like, I don't think we saw any of that stuff um, from the new iteration of Peter's love interest. So I was pleasantly surprised to revisit this and see that there was like actual depth to her beyond just the Peter stuff. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, these, these characters in these movies have so much more depth than the new ones. It's just like the new ones do the whole Marvel thing where it's like they're going to take X amount of time to do world building and then the other time they're doing like jokes. And it's, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. It's these, these movies are trying to do different things, trying to be. It's way like, more it's a lot of surface level interactions. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <gasps> I actually think that's what Amazing Spider-Man did pretty well. I don't know why I keep on going to these movies, but yeah, it's okay. I feel like I feel like they did. But the they had great chemistry, yeah. Well. So, yeah. Yeah, they I mean, did. It, it helps Gwen Stacy, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it helps that I grew up with uh, Kirsten Dunst and everything, but I can also see why people would. There's do some this, shoddy like, acting just, at like, places, but yeah. And also, I think their chemistry is like, I mean, I know they dated in real life, but like some of the scenes where like they're interacting is like, it's like, oh man. So did Toby <laughs> and Kirsten They Dunn did? Oh, really? 
I think three so. out of three. Yeah. So basically, every every Spider-Man is guaranteed to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also a possibility that any one of them or any yeah. combination thereof were publicity stuns because none yeah. of them lasted except for so far Tom Holland and Zendaya, and studios have been known to do that. So it's possible, but it's also not possible. Maybe. I feel like Tom Holland's and Dan really? PR relationship vibes. Just from like just from like the, the way does, Twitter it, talks about them and everything. It's very it's convenient like, that like this is all in anticipation for the big Spider Man movie that now yes. after like four or five years they're finally in yeah. a relationship. But yeah. It's a little too soon to tell. Yeah. We'll see, like we'll see how it goes after this one. A little too perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so with <laughs> yeah. MJ, so we're but, we like her. How about James Franco as Harry Osborne? What are our thoughts? That's great. <laughs> uh, do I like James Franco? <laughs> as Harry Osborne. You don't like him, Dylan? Uh, <laughs> James Franco, the person. I like him <laughs> in the first movie. I mean, oh, we'll yeah, get to the second movie, but I, I like. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. As Harry Osborne, I like him in the first movie and I like him in the third movie. <laughs> But the I really, is so funny. the oh, second no. is so bland. He is just, he's such a monotone performance in the second one. No he's just, prize, delivering, just, it's so <laughs> yeah. bad. Okay. See, MVP, Sweden. Nobel Prize Auto is really bad. <laughs> Nobel Prize Auto, Nobel Prize. I'm and in he's just like, And then after the whole thing explodes, his whole, his whole like focus is Spider-Man. He's like, Spider-Man's all I have left, Peter. <laughs> Right, it was good I when he was drunk and he was slapping Peter in the like charity event or whatever. That was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that was good. But I don't know. I think he's better in this one because he actually has more of a character. Like I like when he's like they're on the field trip and he's flirting with uh, Mary Jane because Pete's too uh, a week to do it. Right, and he's just repeating what Peter already said. And he like he actually has like development and character, and he has good interactions with Willem Dafoe. But in the second one, he just gets kind of sidelined and is boring. But in the third one, we'll talk about it. But he, he comes back in a way that I like. Oh, kind of. Yeah. He's great. Oh, man. Anyway, That's probably his we'll shining light. Anyway, else's thoughts on, on James, James, James Franco and Harry Osborne? I particularly like, like how you said there's dimension to him. Like, we get that subtle relationship of, I mean, at times it's not subtle, but they do build it up throughout where he's sort of in his father's eye, he's in. Peter's shadow, but then any other time, Harry's the one that's like more confident, outgoing, is going to go and talk to MJ when Peter won't. But Peter has Norman's affection, which Harry wants but is not able to get. So I love how they include that facet to it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that was really well done. And also like, um, like they bring that around, him going yeah. after MJ initially, and then towards the end of the movie, when he actually is with MJ and then uh, Peter has to deal with that. Um, that was good as well. And it kept them all like related to each other. Um, like, cause that was post high school. Um, so yeah. like, okay, how are we going to keep these characters within the same orbit and still keep like Norman around? I thought they did that particularly well. So I am also pro James Franco as Harry, but again, also it's like the first interpretation I saw. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. got burned into my brain as a young kid. So looking back now, I'm still going to be like, of course, that was the way to do it. Um, but yeah, I still think solid portrayal. Mm -hmm. Much better. <laughs> He's better <laughs> than Dane DeHaan. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think, I think James Franco <laughs> Matt, definitely your thoughts? gives like, a really yeah. solid performance through like just uh, getting his arc 
in all three movies because the first one you can kind of tell how like immature he is by the way he just keeps kind of going after like MJ and kind of copying Toby a little bit and he sees the relationship that he has with his dad that Toby has with his dad and he's just kind of like always in his shadow and you kind of see that with the second movie how he's kind of like trying to take charge but he's still like he's just he's always second place kind of so I don't know I, I think James Franco's kind of a little underrated maybe with how good he was uh, especially in the first one yeah definitely like him uh, interacting with Norman like on the mm-hmm. stairs I think he's wearing like a turtleneck and he's just like dad like what do you want me to do or whatever I don't know you just you, you kind of like you you buy it you're like please please dad just like <laughs> accept me please but yeah yeah I think James Franco's really good <laughs> what yeah, you go straight for that pistol it's right there on the table yeah. I know like he's just about to shoot Spider-Man his best friend now what are you guys' thoughts on <laughs> oh the main God. character of the film J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> oh my god the it's perfect it's, it's actually just perfect like I could yeah, not imagine anyone else doing this role why they brought yeah. him back in Far From Home because nobody else it's the same reason why they brought Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe back because nobody else can do these roles <laughs> nobody except Dane, except Dane DeHaan I mean flawless <laughs> performance let me tell you Dane DeHaan should play J. Jonah Jameson. Um, oh my god <laughs> no I mean he's J.K. Simmons is incredible it's it is like it's every scene he's in he just, he just murders it's yeah it's crazy I mean yeah it's just like you have to get so lucky making a trilogy like this and like they get got so lucky anyone else it just wouldn't have been a scene I think they were talking about Arlie Ermey playing J. Jordan Jameson before like uh, J.K. Simmons came in. I would have wanted to see it, but I can't imagine anyone else other than J.K. Simmons. Yeah, no, it it wouldn't have been as good. But I think that's interesting. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as funny. Mm -hmm. It would have just been a drill sergeant. Exactly. Yeah. But I also think he adds like a layer to this movie that I think was missing from the two other trilogies or like two other franchises, whatever you want to call them. But I think he just adds that like really memorable side character that mm-hmm. the other like like iterations yeah. of Spider-Man were, were kind of lacking just because you don't have that like character in those other movies that mm-hmm. I feel like J.K. Simmons kind of brings to these. Yeah, 100%. These and also, uh, yeah, like functionally, the role that J. Jonah Jameson plays is interesting because he's sort of that in the adult world that Peter's now in. He's like that bully that's just like being a schmuck, a dick for no reason, especially towards Spider-Man. So he's making his life hard for that reason. Um, and yeah, that's an aspect of what we're missing in those other films. An aspect that we're definitely missing in those other films is the idea of Peter being like a struggling kid, like just some poor kid that's trying to get by, mm-hmm. um, scraping by. And so this oh, where he's yeah. having to... Mm-hmm you know, fight for scraps, essentially trying to get paid, taking these photographs. And then the guy they has to interact with in order to get paid is a schmuck. Um, it's just a great way to like always keep that obstacle there of keeping Peter down. And so of course we're always sympathizing and relating to him. Um, but then also you get the benefit of him just being the funniest character in the entire trilogy. He's just so good every single time, every scene, a smash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
the other Spider-Man movies need more <laughs> shitty bosses. Like, <laughs> like they need there needs to be more, more like real people knocking him down, other than like these yeah. big super villains, like just normal people yeah. in his life that are just yeah. pushing him down as Peter Parker. Because yeah. he has no he has no obstacles as Peter Parker other than his romance. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, all of his other obstacles are all of his non-romantic obstacles are as Spider-Man, and there's just not enough. Not enough other stuff. I guess in Amazing Spider-Man, you could say he yeah. has that sort of Gwen's dad, yeah, uh, trouble with with Gwen Stacy's dad. Yeah, I guess you could say that that is sort of mm-hmm. his his figure in that way. But it's still not. It's still romantically tied, and it's still not done as flawless as J.K. Simmons <laughs> as J. Jonah <laughs> right. Jameson and Tom Holland has nothing. Does Does Andrew Garfield ever get a job? That's what I was trying movies? to think too. I don't like. like he takes I don't think we see. I, I think they like allude to the fact that he like does some stuff for the Daily Bugle, but we never see him doing it. Yeah, he he I mean, gets like an, a rejection yeah. email from the Daily Bugle <laughs> saying his pictures oh, okay. aren't good enough from J. Jonah Jameson, but we never actually meet him. Was he? In a podcast, yeah. like J. Jordan Jameson was like some radio host or whatever, or is uh, that the that was from game? the this video game? Oh, okay. The game, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I do think that's well, they're a good doing that. They're going game. like that sort of route. Yeah, too, I think with that's the funny. MCU yeah. one, right? He's like a an internet yeah. news kind of thing instead like, of paper, instead of like print. Wars. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what it's supposed to be. Using is he bringing back the flat top haircut for the MCU? No, he's bald. Oh. Wait, 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 uh, can I think he's still bald. he grow sure. hair anymore? Well, <laughs> or is it gone? <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. We should just put a wig on him. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, make that hair pretty It was a wig, like I think. Yeah. I think it is a hair piece in the Raimi ones, yeah. Also, he's never... Yeah, I don't think he had hair in, like, Oz yeah. or whatever. <laughs> it's been years. Yeah. I guess I didn't have hair. I never thought about that. Yeah. Also, shout out. I think is. uh the the like assistant to jk to like jay jonah jameson yes. that like he always like knocks down his ideas but ted raimi isn't that like yeah. ted yes. raimi's brother or something like that? yes yeah. that's ted yeah. raimi he is so fun as well he is so good <laughs> everyone that works it's in him, the office it's wow how and how that's great yeah. i feel like jay jk simmons really shines in three i feel like he gets the best bits in three. Oh, the medication like with the buzzer is that three? and like the, yeah the like and, oh yes. yeah mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> that is three yeah i want the staff job i feel like he's not in it enough though i love i love him in the second one because we get that whole outside of the business thing with peter like with his son marrying mj and peter having to like be the photographer for that he's like take a picture of the wife with the mayor take a picture of me with the police chief's girlfriend uh, i mean yeah. wife yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a great scene. I love that scene. Some but. great stuff. Now, of course, oh. you can't have a Spider-Man film without like the big action set pieces, and <laughs> this one has these movies in particular have part like I guess less of them since it's more of a, uh, a character study of Spider-Man. But the action in these movies is also just fantastic. And the first thing we see in the first <laughs> movie between Goblin, Gabby, and Spidey is this sort of parade like thanksgiving unity day yeah sort of action sequence did you guys yeah unity day were you guys a fan of this using this as the, the entrance really good, for actually. goblin <laughs> <Of course. laughs> i think ryan and as a kid i'm sure i loved it but looking back now i mean this was definitely the most dated of all the stuff that appears in any of these movies it looks a bit rough it's like very corny like it's 
broad daylight and they're hopping yeah. on these big I would disagree. Thanksgiving Day parade balloons. It's just also your soundtrack for it. Right. <laughs> that, that woman singing. Like Mason yeah, the Day music or something. I, I forget know. who that is. Yeah. It's, it's so great. Yeah, Mason yeah. Day. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah, funny. I think the most dated of all the effects in any of these movies is the fight between Spider-Man, between Peter and Harry, the yeah, first the ring one or, in Spider-Man 3, yeah. where, they're, where they're in the I alley. Agree. Yeah, with the ring, and they're in the, yeah, he's like throwing them through the air, and they're yep. in the alley, and it's just all CGI, and you can't tell what's going on. I think that's the most dated. What I like about this scene between Goblin and Spider-Man is that it's very clear to see where the action is and what's going on. And it's clear to see what the character's goals are. Like Goblin is here to destroy the shareholders, wreak havoc, and then leave. And Spider-Man's here to stop him and save the day. And like, you can see that that's happening. I can't tell what the fuck is going on between Spider-Man and Harry in, in Spider-Man three. They're what just attacking know, each other. You know why no Harry's attacking much. him? Because crazy he people. killed his father. <laughs> and then Peter's trying to avoid it's just that built up. You know, this is just, it's just he He's just grabs book. him, and then Peter, Peter's trying to grab his ring, and it's falling for way too long, and it's just bad CGI. I remember that, yeah. that shot oh, was yes. in the trailer from like reaching for the ring. Oh, I no. think that's a good play. I, think that's good. <laughs> I can't but, believe uh, you say that there's no. Oh. Yeah. No, it looks, the alley part particularly looks really bad. They're just in the alley, the ever long alley that never ends, and they're just flying through it. At unknown speeds, yeah, and you don't know what's happening until that until moment. Harry yeah, we'll gets get to close that. line we'll and then memory. Okay, yeah, I just wait. think it looks really bad. Yeah, wait, but Matt, I think I think the the, the Unity Day fight is a good entrance. <laughs> I think yeah, the CGI and the balloons. <laughs> that's so bad. The scale supposed to be funny. horrific. The scale is just looks It looks hilarious. No, it's supposed to be Gobby going It's hilarious. That's that little evil dead him as a monster, and then. I mean, he's the goblin, so he's like Halloween themed. I mean, you got all these Halloween themes. You got pumpkin bombs. You got hidden turning people into skeletons. You got all these crazy Halloween kooky things. It's a campy thing. It's like a comic book. That's what you'd see in a comic book. You have a panel of them normally, and then it's just also flash, the way they like drop down as well. It's just too much. Like it looks like it's straight out of a comedy. Comedy instead of like this is supposed to be a big action piece. It does kind of look like something from Mars Attacks. Like it does look a little wacky, but I do love it because it is it fits in there very well. I wish there was more of that in the MCU. That'd be amazing. Just like, just like more skeletons. Yeah, more skeletons. That's how Thanos dies. He just turns into a skeleton. He's flashing. He's a giant skeleton. Gotcha. The biggest skeleton. Um. So yeah, not the biggest but, fan of that one. What was a good scene though was that whole thanksgiving dinner afterwards well i guess that wasn't right afterwards because we had the granny gobby yes <laughs> we had that scene in the burning building that was fan. oh that is a good one that's a good one yes so yeah, that's oh, how are we gonna skip that over was... that that's a great scene yeah that's like straight that up horrific the crap out of me as a kid. yeah <laughs> When but it's strange. when you rewatch it, it's so obviously Green Goblin. Like he has a giant pointy thing coming out of the back of his head, and you're like, and he's like, "Granny, are you are you okay?" And it's just so obviously this giant point coming from behind him. That's actually his he's costume in the Granny suit, right there. He's, he's just he's the back. Granny. Yeah, he's just the Granny. Every time he sees Spider Man, he says, "You're so predictable." <laughs> he just screams in every scene that he's yeah, in. Ah! He just turns around like. Ah! Also, uh, he has no scene. lines. Great scene from one, which we should talk about the kiss, is the best scene, in my opinion, when he saves Mary Jane. But also, 
when he yeah. uh, has to go to Thanksgiving dinner. He's oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah clipped by a, a bike. Bike messenger. <laughs> yeah, bike messenger. <laughs> I'm just bleeding everywhere now. <laughs> so, I love when he reaches over to cake. the turkey or whatever it is, and then Aunt May says, no. Oh, yeah, the fruitcake. God. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. That scene, it works. It, it's basically just encapsulating everything I feel about this movie. It works as, mm-hmm. like, just a serious movie. But there's just so many little touches to it that are just, like, so memorable. Like, you take that scene and put it in, like, the Amazing Spider-Man or MCU movies, and it would be so much more flat. But in this, you got, like, so much tension yeah. with, like, Green mm-hmm. Goblin. Mm-hmm. And also, well, it's like... Sorry, to cut you off. So no, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, like, there's a similar scene, I feel like, in Amazing Spider-Man. I don't know if it's one or two. Yeah, like, it's he, the it's the first one with the fam- with Gwen Stacy's family. family when they're just and talking he's... about Spider-Man, yeah. talking around it. And I don't know if the Tom Holland ones probably do something like that, but none of them are as good as the first one, which it's just funny they keep ripping them off. But... I don't know if there is a scene no. like that in Tom Holland movies. That's probably not. No, probably not. Yeah. I, I feel like Aunt May is so much more like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> really like the Aunt May. Yeah. I don't really like that. Uh, I, think, sure. I think Rosemary Harris is the best Aunt May. Sally Field. Yeah. yeah. Sally Field was okay. But just Sally kind of... Field, I re- when we rewatched it in the first movie, <laughs> she never leaves the house. Every scene she's in is in the house. She just doesn't leave. She's just a hermit. She doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> At least in the second one, she goes to his graduation, and I think that's still just it. It's the graduation, and then I think Gwen Stacy's funeral. Another is the only fantastic scene, the which this one tore me up as a kid when I first watched it. When Goblin attacks Aunt May at their home, oh, God. and she's like doing the prayer on the bed, and then it just yes. it's ripped open. Yeah, and then she's screaming, <laughs> and he's like, "Finish it, finish the line." That was just horrific. Like the fact that this scene or that this movie can have yeah, that's great. Like, all those little comedic bits, but then have something truly horrifying like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, what you get with fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and then he brought it back. <laughs> or no, it's deliver me to hell. <laughs> but I feel like that's what you get with Raimi being like the the horror director that he was before. Like mm-hmm. he puts those little touches, like obviously the big Doc Ock scene. Oh, but it's the best. Yeah, but like scenes like this, like are sprinkled throughout all the movies, except for no three has some stuff with Venom. But yeah, I feel like he just brings like a flair that the best like horror directors bring to like comic book movies, kind of like Shazam, like with David S. Sandberg or whatever his yeah. name is, and then James no, Gunn. Right. Yeah. But I feel like all of them bring a flair that like just regular like drama directors wouldn't be able to bring. Yeah, they know how to balance the tension very well and know when to when just use it and to strike it and when to like sort of like let sure. it fall out and do okay, like a Okay, so you wanted bit. to talk about yeah. the big upside down smooching fest. Oh yes, Bobby. in the rain. <laughs> it's iconic. Great. Beautiful. <laughs> it's just it's in a word. It's iconic. Yeah. Salsa is the messiest kiss I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh yeah, it, is a it was groundbreaking. Yeah, <laughs> it's just all over the place. You said least favorite? That's actually Wait. one of my least favorite scenes. Really? Explain that. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just as a kid, I didn't. So it isn't the blood know. going to his head? They're kissing. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't he like, drowning with the rain? <laughs> It was it was just like as a kid, I, I don't know. It was just kind of gross to me. 
It's I mean, also it like, yeah, it's a gross kiss. A yeah, it's slobbering on like a dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's just all the kisses in these movies are so intense. Like they're so sloppy. Like yeah, I don't know. Their energy is so like like rated R. Yeah, but then you watch it as you're as an adult, and you're like, nice, nice. (laughs) Sam Raimi was like, more intense, more intense, get more into it. He's like, my dog kisses better than you. (laughs) Great stuff. Yeah, I caught. Would y'all think of the the Peter's monologue to MJ when they're in a hospital room? This is like more of a quiet scene. Maybe not as memorable, but revisiting this one, I was like, beautiful. Like that's so good. Yeah. Like, we just don't get things like that. Because that was yeah, amazing. like two, three minutes of this man just pouring his heart oh, out. Yeah. And there's just nothing else going on. Like, that's it. We don't get that stuff anymore. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. no right. we, sure. we would never. Because that's, that's like two minutes that could go to something <laughs> else. I don't know. It's like the, the Marvel movies now are so long, yet they won't ever spend any time, like, developing anything <laughs> it's like at the end of the day it's like you'll watch this two and a half hour movie and then you're just like how is that two and a half hours <laughs> i don't know that's just how i feel <laughs> i hope there's no emotional scenes in no way home i hope it's just non-stop let's scooby-doo this <laughs> it honestly might i can't believe that that line like is fan service. so bad i hope yeah. they cut it from the oh line. god i thought it was just for the trailers i hope so <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's the only thing Dr. Strange says in the entire movie. All of his other lines are cut. They include, like, all of his scenes before he talks. So yeah. it's just like, uh, uh. Yeah, it just cuts. Yeah, it cuts to Peter right before he says anything. And Peter just cuts him off every time. And then his only line is, let's Scooby do with this crap. And then everyone erupts into the end. applause. Yeah. Yeah. Ruckus applause. <laughs> More applause than Let's talk about <laughs> Gobby versus Spidey. The big, big finale. Well, first we get the whole like the bridge moment, which is of course a great adaptation of the comic book thing, where you see Mary Jane's dangling off. He's given the choice he's gonna be able to save the like tram full of kids or MJ. Yeah. Oh, that's a great scene. I love that scene. That is a great scene. And also, I love they made New York really a character in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like they really did, yeah. Like I feel like you feel like the <laughs> you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yeah, like it's cheesy, but I feel like it works so well. It's it's, it's it's the best kind of cheesy because it works. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like it gives such a layer to like Spider-Man and actually being like a hero. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, he's not like Batman to where like New York hates him or anything. Yeah, at least like when I think of him, like I, I think of New York. It's. Yeah, it's like a great scene the same way that in Spider-Man 2, the scene on the train is yeah. the exact same way, where it's just the people standing yeah. up for he's Spider-Man and giving back. Which you yeah, never feel in the others. Yeah. Well, maybe the I crane talked scene. about that yeah, in Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. I'm like, this uh, you is, get that in the crane This scene is that moment where New York Spider-Man. becomes a character, and you see that he's... I thought that no, one was good, a little dude. The guy that he saved way, on the still, bridge, he comes back great. around. He's like, yo, let me help Spidey out. Because he's an inspiration. That's what being here is all about, bro. He makes us want to be better. Yeah. Yeah, but he goes, that guy <laughs> saved my kid. Get Tony on the phone. Tony, we got to move all the cranes. Also, like, he would have the got there anyway, but look. Like, a line. It's like, okay. You just have to pick up the pace. Like, they didn't so do we've that We've seen much. Spider-Man 3, what a, what a haywire crane can do. I mean, imagine 10 of them going <laughs> off. Like, I, I, talk about adding problems <laughs> for Spider-Man. 
Do you guys ever feel like these, since we have so many superhero movies now, that none of them really feel like like superheroes anymore? Like, I feel like all of them kind of just feel like... Just people. I don't know, just, just prop, yeah, like kind of like just property in like some like movie now. Like, I feel yeah. like Spider-Man felt like a superhero in this movie mm-hmm. because they emphasize like the city and how he interacts with everyone. And they show that he's like truly a superhero. Whereas I feel like now we never really get like that interaction with like the people that he's saving and all. Yeah, stuff. to me, it's starting to get a little overused in the same way that like sports movies are overused, where the endings are always the same, either they win or they lose. So it's like it's the same thing as this, where I mean, they always have the hard battle where they get crushed and then they have to overcome it and then they win in the end. So it is the same thing every time. And it's hard yeah. to nail the emphasis of because they're overcoming this thing that you knew they were going to overcome, they're a hero. And yeah. these movies do it really well because it's not just about him overcoming these non-stop physical conquests. He's also overcoming these mental problems that everyday humans have. So he's a human or he's a hero in like a lot of senses. And that's what's so mm-hmm. great about them. Yeah, and I feel like like I feel like that interaction with like the city and just like Mm -hmm. kind of bring it down to like the neighborhood spider-man is something that we never get with like tom holland or really Mm -hmm. even andrew garfield i mean tom holland went to space come on guy yeah he's no longer the friendly neighborhood (laughs) spider-man he went to europe it would have been so cool if (laughs) you think totally why went to europe (laughs) (laughs) the europe thing is so weird i do like that movie but Uh, i don't like that movie i think it's okay oh yeah i like like mysterio it's different I like not watching far from home. But yeah, I think what you're saying there definitely makes sense. Like, there's a heart to this movie, and there's that sense of not just him like saving the day using these powers to do it, but we're seeing him trying to become Spider Man, like fill that role, become that hero. But he's also trying to be a better man, just a better human being. And we see that, like that core idea with great power comes great responsibility like that's the thing he's wrestling with throughout this film and the like resolution of that where he's finally able to assume that role doesn't come in like the actual conflict with goblin like in that fight it comes afterwards during that funeral when he's talking with mj which we'll get to in a second but i think that's a masterpiece ending but the gobby spidey fight when they go to the abandoned building and he's got the tattered torn suit that's so good. Also, something you don't get anymore is the like, ripped suit. Yes. It just looks perfect. So amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can we Make talk about how like, all three of these movies, they're all ripped in the exact <laughs> same way? Just... It's um, his mouth and his one of his eyes. <laughs> That's and like then the, the, sign... the strip between them is perfectly the same. Like It's it's the exact same in all three <laughs> movies at the end of it. I think that's a sign of like... I, I, I heard this somewhere, but it was... That's like the sign of a good Spider-Man movie. As if it's ripped? As if it's ripped. Because <laughs> you never really get that, like, tattered feeling from, like, the Tom Holland movies. They're all perfect. I mean, obviously because he's, like, you know, Tony Stark Jr. in those movies. So you got the Iron Spider suit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, the flawless, impenetrable suits. Yeah, like, you need to have him, like, beat up at the end. Yeah, I do barely... like in Homecoming when he has his normal, like, just sweats on. And so he has to fight in that and those get tattered up. Like, I do yeah. like Homecoming as a movie. But far from yeah. home falls flat. But yeah, I, I do love the way that he ends in this movie where he's just tattered and he's fighting Goblin. And it's just this 
this brawl between the two of them, fists up, going at it in this sort of abandoned mansion thing, and they're just beating each other up. That's the greatest ADO. Yeah, and then Gabi makes it personal, and then he just brings him to Pound Town, man, and just, just fucking owns him. But Goblin's death in this movie is by far my favorite villain death in any superhero medium. I just, I love when he dies, and it's it's his own glider piercing him, and he's just standing there, and the only thing he can think of, and the, his very last words are just, don't tell Harry. And then he just dies. It really yeah, I mean, you, it is a masterpiece. It's like, yeah. it, Toby thinks, you know, Peter thinks he's get, he's got to him. He's like, okay, finally, we're talking, we're good. And then it's just like, no. Godspeed, Spider-Man. Godspeed. Godspeed, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, Evan. <laughs> yeah. I do love that show where he goes, oh. Oh, yeah. Like, it's that's that style. Like his, that's his, like, revelation of, like, oh, everything went to shit. I just fucked yeah. everything up. What it's am so, I doing? It's so surprising. Like, it's such, like, a stylish way to go. Um, yeah. It's also just such a simple way to go. You see all these villains dying in such extravagant and, like, brutal and, like, very, like, nonstop fighting ways of, like, like Thanos getting, like, drifted off into nothing or his head chopped off or something. Or, like, yeah. these these big ending fights between the two of them. And this is just the two of them just beating each other up in just a very normal human way. And then he just accidentally kills himself. Just unintentionally. Sweet. It is so irrational that Harry thinks Spider-Man <laughs> killed him. It's like, yeah. if Spider-Man yeah. killed him, he wouldn't, like, Dude, bring I... his body back and lay it in his I body. know, and then even, <laughs> I wrote this in, like, leave him there. towards the end of Spider-Man 3, where I was just like, this man is still mad after years of this. <laughs> Did he not stop to think, you know, maybe Spider-Man <laughs> would have a point, given the fact that I know that my father was Goblin, the guy who murdered a bunch of people, almost killed my then-girlfriend <laughs> at the Unity Day Parade. Like maybe maybe Spider Man's right on that front. <laughs> maybe I give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> right. But yeah. So that fantastic fight. And then the ending. Where it's at the funeral and we see MJ come up to Peter and she's finally realized that this is who she wants to be with. Which again I think is a great way to show uh, like her little arc. Cause she had she was with Flash and then with Harry. And then but both of those were just sort of those superficial relationships because she was craving attention since she was so criticized in her household and just felt worthless, unvalued. And so when she's getting just that easy attention from people, um, that's what she was going for. But she finally realized true, genuine connection, meaningful care for her was coming from Peter all along. And now she goes to start something new with him. And it's the girl of his dreams, but he chooses not to do anything with her he chooses to say no because he is going to commit himself to this responsibility to protect the city and also he's going to be protecting her right keeping her out of danger because he knows his enemies will exploit that information about oh who does the true spider-man love who does Mm -hmm. his alter ego love i think that is such a good ending because he embraces that idea of okay this is what i have to do to be the hero this is my responsibility I'm going to commit to it, even though I have to give up MJ, the person I've wanted most. It's so beautiful. I absolutely yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I never thought of it that way before this. And how, did you, wait, how did you think <laughs> of it? Like, oh, that was weird. Oh, it's over. Just All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> yeah. like, I was watching the movie. He goes, wait, the it's music over? Video oh, I guess the movie's done. Where's Nicole? Uh, the movie's done. That was nice. 
<laughs> I actually only watched the like, Can we watch movies? Nickelback? Yeah. <laughs> I am so high, I can feel it all. Also, also yep. vindicated by Dashboard Confessional. Yes. Great song. I love that song. Strictly because of Spider Man. I am selfish. I am wrong. I am wrong. I swear I'm right. I love that song. It's great. It's wonderful. Okay, any last thoughts on Spider Man? One. I just want to shout out to all the uh, all the small little details that make it perfect and very stylistic. All the the Raimi elements of it, all the comic booky stuff he does with all the zoom, like crash zooms, and all the like whip pans and things that make it so campy and cartoonish. Uh, Danny Elfman's score in all three of these movies just perfect. Oh, in the same way that the original Batman movies are great. Uh, the Wacky opening credits that are in all of them no, that are good. The in the first two, but I love stupid in the, in the third one. But we'll get there. It's just clips. Like the second the one, they're, one, they're the second the one's great because it's recapping the first like movie, but in drawings and it looks yeah. looks beautiful. And it leads yeah. into that, and then it leads into the yeah. But then it leads into like the billboard of Mary Jane. Like it fades into yeah, that but it's perfect. recapping. I mean, the third one they could have done the same thing. I would have preferred it. Done, the but they're both clips. doing the same thing of recapping the old movie, which I think again a thing we don't get anymore a superhero movie with. Hello, with credits at the beginning. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Things that we just don't get, and it like sets the mood with you get the score. Are you thinking about? I was thinking about that last night. Yeah, yeah. we don't get like an opening like credits. Like, yeah, can I get a recap of the last twenty-two Marvel movies? Please? Dude, I would love that if they did that. That'd be amazing. Well, that's just showing yeah, the characters. I guess the Marvel logo is kind of like that. Though. Yeah. Well, I mean, like as like a symbolic like yeah the movie's like starting now like we're in spider-man and just getting you hyped and everything yeah. i guess the marvel does mm-hmm. still for sure but it's definitely not as flashy oh yeah i yeah. mean i think spider-man no, just kind of fires okay. on all cylinders as far as like the big scale action scenes work the smaller like interpersonal moments where you're just getting like peter and mary jane kind of talking in the hospital and that's kind of like the moment where like she realizes she doesn't like spider-man as much as she likes peter and i I don't know just those kinds of moments like it the emotions work and the emotions of the bigger set pieces work because they just kind of balance like scale but also set the stakes up and still kinds of i don't know it just it still makes it personal to spider-man so i don't know spider-man one is just great Mm. sam raimi huge Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. best, best flash Tom. Hey, penis Parker. The other two, I can't stand. I can't stand the other two. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. I wouldn't want to fight me neither. <laughs> it's so good in this movie. Oh, though. also shout out to Bone Saw. I like that guy from the Leftovers. We gotta give him, give him a Not little shout out. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you got three minutes here with so me. So three good. minutes All of playtime. <laughs> Also, oh, shout out to that God. guy that broke his leg. The flying Dutchman. Why do I can't feel my legs? Oh, my legs. I can't feel my Octavia legs. Spencer. Also, shout out to the lady. That's true, yeah. Just... Octavia yeah. Spencer. And also, the people that are just absolutely just just destroying. There's just so many things. Yeah, that whole that whole scene is just yeah. The what yeah. did your heart first Campbell for you? Oh yeah, <laughs> for the whole cage match. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, out of five upside down Spidey smoochers, what would you give it? We'll go around. Start with you, Bobby. 
five out of five. Yeah, I mean, all three of these movies for me are five out of five. This is this is probably my second favorite. I still think Spider-Man Two is like <laughs> maybe my favorite movie ever. <laughs> so, wow, yeah, really? It's wow. Yeah, it might honestly be. It depends on the That's day. That's crazy. So yeah, I mean, Spider One is still great though, and I mean, all the great stuff that comes right. in too. You can't yeah. have it without. Before. Yeah, it's got to be five out of five for me too. I think Spider-Man One and Two are on like almost the same level. I think like they they, they teeter, but I mean, come on, Spider-Man One, five <laughs> out of five, nothing less, maybe that- more. Four. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Full five. No, right, I'm just Dylan, a five out Are we five. continuing the trend? Yeah. If I could give it more. It's a four and a half out of five. It's almost there, but there's a lot of moments where it what does. You, it, falls, it falls down. It falls a little slow. It's not perfect. Some of the moments are a little weird. But you overall, it's still. I did. I, there was not enough skeletons. I was very disappointed by that. Honestly, but overall, it is still an amazing movie. But it's it's going to be a four and a half. What if Goblin yeah, turns the glider pierces him? Uh, I'd love it if that's yeah. how he died. Honestly, if that's how he died, like there's just a flash and his like suit still there, and Peter takes off the helmet, it's just a skeleton inside. That'd be awesome. <laughs> like the mount just falls. Like it's yeah, like, the name. <laughs> and he goes, "Don't tell." The skeleton says, "Don't tell Harry." <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm gosh. giving it a full amazing five. Ryan, how would you rate it? So there we go. Four fives, Damn. one 4.5. So we got one What the? Beautiful. All right, so we're going to move on to Just Spider-Man 2. And Bobby, since we're running low on your time, I want you to pop <laughs> oh off about God. this. Just go through, make yeah. this your love no, letter um, to Spider-Man 2. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite movies ever. It's, I, I saw it in theater several times. But uh, specifically, yeah, I still remember the first time I went to see it. And I was with uh, with my mom and uh, my friend, and that Doc Ock scene, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just keeps getting better and better, and it just felt bigger than the first one, and it, I think it's a better villain, I really do. Uh, and um, yeah, I just love it. I, I don't even know, the beginning, <laughs> the pizza and all. Everything, everything's so good. It's, yeah. <laughs> hey, so Spider-Man stole that guy's pizza. <laughs> You're late. I'm not paying for those. I will say about this one though, it is MJ makes the worst decision. Why? Why would you dump this <laughs> astronaut dreamboat of a man for Peter Parker? Yeah, he's I literally perfect in this whole movie. Like, what a lovely man. Like, he's done nothing being wrong. MJ's friend and being like. <laughs> Are you serious about this? This guy? Really? And she's like, I love him. And she's like, that's not enough. You can't just love him. You gotta adore him. The answer to that question should have been, my God, I think he's incredible. Yeah, no, I mean. Like, imagine yeah. that being your, what a shitty friend. She's like, it's not enough, MJ. It is just, it's hilarious that that happened. But also, that scene was a weird scene. That wedding dress at the end. I, I also remember a vivid memory of watching the movie with my sisters one time, and they were laughing because they thought she looked so goofy running in a wedding dress. <laughs> and she does look kind of really goofy. No, I think she's perfect. <laughs> I think it works. I think yeah. it goes with the goofiness of the movie. I think it's fantastic. This is yeah, the same no, movie where raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> so, 
Yes. Oh, that's the yeah. best scene. Yeah, he downs a hot dog. Yes. Okay, it was a big boy bite. Favorite. That was a Spider-Man bite. And he spins up. For real. Okay, <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, one thing that I love, I mean, it, it starts out beautiful. And again, it's a unique approach to a superhero movie beginning that we don't get anymore. It doesn't start out with this massive action set piece where he's in the Spider-Man costume. It starts out with him as Peter Parker just trying to go about his jobs and making it there on time while still saving everyday people in the city, which we also don't see much of in superhero movies anymore. And that causes him to not get the pizzas there on proper pizza time. And so he gets fired from that job. We see he's getting fired from the Daily Bugle because he's not bringing in good enough pictures anymore. We see, I mean, he's not connected with his friends anymore, MJ or Harry. So we see Peter's life just sucking in the beginning. Just very hard, very difficult because, I mean, for sure. <laughs> Dude, it's sucking throughout the whole thing, man. That's, that's the best part about the movie is that he's just constantly, even in the little details, he's being put down. Like when he's taking the pictures at <laughs> the party for J. Jonah Jameson's son, and he keeps trying to get hors d'oeuvres and they keep taking it the last second. He drinks from the- I mean, he just cannot catch a break this whole movie. It's that is that is the best part about this movie is that he, it it captures the essence of what Spider Man is and that he's just a kid who can't balance everything. Yeah. And so he just can't catch a break. And it's yeah, perfect. It's literally flawless in this yeah. movie. The birthday party in the beginning, forgets his birthday and then just has yeah, literally the worst birthday party. Yeah. It's like best friends. Yeah. Like I hate Spider Man. Yeah. And and the girl Spider-Man he loves is dad. like I'm marrying this awesome guy. And, I know. Yeah. And Aunt May's broke. Yeah. <laughs> it's just awful. Right. Which is that other thing as well, which I touched on on Spider Man in the first one, but they lean way more into it in this one as well. Of he's just some working class kid. He's a regular everyday person. Whereas in. Mm. Right when they go to the bank and Aunt May can't even get like, a free oh. toaster because <laughs> she didn't put in the, the right amount of deposit. At least we get the toaster. <laughs> so I'm afraid not. <laughs> very, very sad. You can't catch it, yeah, They do a great job of setting that up of how sucky his life is as Peter because he's excelling at his job as Spider-Man, like actually committing to that responsibility. And then that creates the dilemma that we explore throughout this film, which is, he doesn't want to have such a terrible life as Peter anymore. So, like, even in that one scene where it's like coming in on the window and he's like, I'm not supposed to have what I want, what I need. He's really struggling with this idea of staying Spider-Man if it ruins everything else in his life. And then with MJ as well, when he like gets that taste of MJ again in his life at the party, then he wants to start like at least hanging out with her again, like going to the her play and then he can't even show up on time because he had to save somebody and then that dick usher or whoever it was at the beginning like not letting him in he's like oh he tie your shoes yeah that's so good bruce campbell yeah he's yeah. fantastic uh shoes and tie uh you might want to <laughs> fix the tie it's like my uh, friend said come. Like, didn't say you could come late <laughs> sorry read the sign so that stuff is all great again him just not being able to catch a break um and so Right, and so he wants the flowers. He gets like three of them. Oh yeah, he doesn't have enough money for the flowers, so he gets like three flowers instead of a bunch. (laughs) It's perfect. Every single time he tries something, it's just not enough. And it's in every scene. Like they reinforce that he is one hundred percent. 
at the lowest he's ever right been. yeah he doesn't have red money yeah so i have rent. 20 dollars i have my rent. I love that scene when he goes to the bathroom. So yeah, yeah, great stuff. And so you believe why he's like, oh, I want to kind of stop doing the Spider-Man stuff. But then it's also affecting, like you see that emotional psychological state reflected in him losing some of his powers, like the organic webbing. This is why it all came back around. He's not able to be Spider-Man really anymore um, because he doesn't want to be it. He wants to give it up. And so I think that's great. And it sets up that whole mm-hmm. moment of him. I mean, again, iconic. Him setting his suit in the dumpster and giving it up and then immediately cutting to Raindrops mm-hmm. keep falling on my head. Just. Yeah. That's a great shot, though, when he dumps it in the trash can and it pans down and it's sitting oh, there yeah. and then it fades to black. Again, the still right? there. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, all that is fantastic. Uh, and then we also get Doc Ock. As the villain. So talk about Bobby. You said this is your favorite villain. Better than Gobby. How come? No, he's great. I mean, I love Alfred Molina. He's so good. <laughs> he's amazing in Boogie Nights, too. Shout out Boogie Nights. Um, <laughs> he's he, great in Boogie Nights. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's just awesome. He's perfect for this part. Um, and, man, he just loved his wife so much. And Rose. Uh, wrote her poetry, you know? That was a good impression, Zach. <laughs> can, I, can I get a Rosie for me one more time? I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Rosie. Rosie. <laughs> yeah. Rosie. Man, he loved his wife. God, it was Rosie. also a horrifying way to die. Yeah. Or see your wife. Yeah, that always scared me as a kid. Glass just like destroying her. Like, but I also, I watch all these other movies, all these other superhero movies, and they're always covered in glass, and I'm like, it didn't affect them. What's wrong with you, Rosie? What are you, what are you weak bitch? Come on. Just take the glass like the champ. What are you doing? That was always weird to me. How did, did it go straight die? Die? Sharp shard like, flying at you. Like, at I assume like that piece of glass. Like, I think it just stabs her. It goes, through, yeah. it goes through her eye and then like into her brain. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think it's effective in a way because it does have that, like, she's screaming and her face is in all the glass and then it just cuts to her slumping down real fast and it's, like, scary. But it is still a little silly when you think about it. But also, I don't know how skulls work, but <laughs> is there is there bone covering your eyes from, like, your, your brain? No, there's a hole there. You can cut through the eye. And- <laughs> An anatomy crash. This is also uh, a Have you seen a skull, Zach? Okay. In the first Spider-Man, you know how Goblin throws the bomb and then they turn into skeletons? <laughs> yeah. You remember how they have little eye sockets where yeah. there's like a hole in, in the bone? So yeah, no, it went right through there. There's no bone underneath those eye sockets? And, nope, it's just the socket. And the brain's right behind your eyeballs? Also imagine. Yep, just sitting there waiting to be stabbed by glass. <laughs> oh. I'm glad you're asking the important questions. I mean, I can I know, also, it's not just knows glass. Anatomy. It's the power of the sun <laughs> We're talking charging this. a piece of glass straight into Rosie's eye. Like, this is like some cosmic. Yeah. That is also true, yeah. The sun is powerful. <laughs> the power of the sun in my hands. Okay, but how okay. did Doc Ock yes, not grab him? Because he also got oh, like that's a right. That's glass. Right. It's because the arms covered him. Yeah. Like he threw the arms up and they cover well, him, but it can't cover there. his wife because, I mean, she doesn't have arms because like that. You know, she has normal human arms. This yeah. is why this is my least watched. Because Rosie got killed too soon. Because of stuff like this. Rosie should have lived. <laughs> we should have had Rosie More the entire movie. She should have been Doc Ock. And... <laughs> 
more, more poetry. I wanted more of that. Also, can we talk about how stupid Harry is? Harry gets saved by Spider-Man. <laughs> Literally from dying, and he's just this like, doesn't change anything. <laughs> this doesn't change anything, <laughs> dude. It's shut so stupid. Up, get over it, <laughs> Nobel Prize, Otto. Nobel Prize. <laughs> I'll see you Happy in Sweden. To pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that line. Happy to pay the bills, Otto. I love, God, Otto, I I love when Otto says, Has anyone been, has anyone lost a, a roll, a roll of 20s covering <laughs> yeah. a rubber band? Because we found the rubber band. Uh, I love it. That's the best joke ever made. <laughs> God, yeah, this movie. Oh. Uh, yeah, this movie's, I, have you guys seen the lighthouse? Yes. Has everyone seen the lighthouse? <laughs> yeah. If this, if this movie was a steak, I'd fuck it. <laughs> Honestly, it's that good. Yeah. No, it also. Yeah. Speaking of that, this movie does continue the trend of Toby absolutely oh, no. demolishing. Oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Toby absolutely oh, like slobbering <laughs> all over. I'm like, where's this going? I feel like <laughs> is this two point one? Like when they kiss. When they kiss at the end, it is so intense. Okay. And also, I feel like demolishing would have been better. Yeah. In a know. way. Yeah, I don't know. he probably did demolish it, but the, yeah, in the, the fact, yeah, in the wedding dress yeah. after after the the set was closed down. No, yeah, also, after they said cut, after uh, they said cut, Sam scene. was like demolished. Great scene in this movie. This is gonna be your last thing, sorry, and then I'm gonna peace out. But uh, the scene when he's talking, everything he does with AMA in this movie is awesome because. AMA knows he's Spider-Man. Like, has to know he's Spider-Man. She's dropping hints left and right, but they make it so it's, like, not obvious. But she's like, well, you, you know, uh, Spider-Man, come back. You know, we need a hero. Like, waiting yeah. at him, basically. And it's uh, it's so good. Everything with that is perfect. 100%. Okay, before you go, do you want to say some words on Spider-Man yeah. 3 as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, Spider-Man 3 is great. I mean, it's better. It has its flaws, I guess. I don't, I don't, I love it. I think it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> I think it's better than all the, the new MCU ones and the Garfield ones, honestly. It's, um, just because, yeah, I just think the characters are better. And, um, and yeah, maybe, and I think Topher Grace is a bad Venom. Venom is, is not great in the movies. But as Eddie Brock, I think he's really good. I think Eddie Brock is really good in the movie. I agree. So, I think it would have been perfect if like it ended and Spider-Man 4 was Eddie Brock as Venom. And they would have had more time to figure that out. But it was, Oh, yeah. Like, Why didn't they do that? That's, yeah, it would have been crazy. great. But the studio wanted to force him in at the end. But yeah, if they just built up Eddie Brock and then it ended with him defeating Sandman and then... Eddie Brock turning into Venom. That would have been great for the fourth one. But um <laughs> yeah, no. It went it went bad. It's also very interesting how the series ends with the dance mm -hmm. at the end. I think it's kind of perfect, but uh I wish they made a fourth one. They did not. Yeah. The fourth one would have been awesome. It would have been Vulture and Mysterio. Bruce Campbell would have been Mysterio and I think John Malkovich would have been Vulture and that would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. That seeing like the storyboards of four just makes me like, oh, yeah, it's so sad, dude. It but also, so cool. I feel like the way Spider-Man three ends 
does kind of function as a trilogy. Kind of like what Bobby was saying. For sure. And yeah. I've always thought about that. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man 4 would have been like awesome. But I'm also not feeling gypped of like a fourth film. Yeah. I will say, too, Spider-Man 3 was the most excited I've ever been for a movie. I don't think... I'm very excited for No Way Home. It wasn't even close. I was... I had every single, like, <laughs> Spider-Man magazine that had any sort of press on Spider-Man 3 in my room. I remember just, like, pacing around the day we were going to go to the theater, like, losing my mind. The trailer was he, like, so good. And, uh, yes! Yeah, and I mean, I was a kid. I don't, I guess I don't know how old I would have been when it came out, but I, I loved it. I was not, like, you know, yeah, Venom wasn't great. I was just, like, this, this rocks. It's awesome so you know now i understand its flaws i still love it (laughs) still a five out of five for that one too five out of five for all of them it is probably my least favorite of the three but um it's i still like it way more than the other the new spider-man yeah Yeah. do you think you could rank all the live action spider-man movies yeah i did that before before (laughs) i came on here i have my ranking Oh, read them out, read them out. <laughs> All right, so number seven, the last one, The Amazing Spider-Man. Not great. The first one? Yeah. The first one. It's, Whoa. It's bad. I agree. Um, Interesting. Because so many reasons. The lizard looks so bad. He does. I don't even remember the basketball <laughs> scene in this movie. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the cranes is bad. It's it's not good. It's not good. Um, six is Spider-Man Far From Home. Not a fan. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. The ending is so stupid. He's just like fighting robots, stupid. and Mir- Mysterio is barely involved. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible thing. last act. Well, are Matt and I the only fans of it? Of what? Maybe. I think no. Ryan likes it a little bit. No, no. no. Far from home. We talked about uh, it before. Yeah, you like on our you don't like it? Not at all. Well, that's that like months way. ago, it Ryan. Is, that was I so long ago. I mean, it's okay, but it. Definitely just doesn't have any of that okay. memorability or heart that the other ones had. You know what's funny? I uh, I watched this movie, and this was at my old job way back when that movie came out, but I had this coworker, and let's just say this coworker wasn't the <laughs> sharpest crayon in the box. He was not sure. smart. You know, which is fine. But he yeah. had the smartest way. He watched that movie and he was like, did you see the new Spider-Man? I was like, yeah, we were talking about it. And he was like, I don't understand why Mysterio, they didn't try to make it so, because the whole thing's about him and Tony and how he lost Tony. They should have made him, they should have worked on those like Iron Man hallucinations more where he had to like almost fight Iron Man at the end. I think that would have been cool. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would have like, been cool, yeah. He had this idea, and I was like, "This is the only smart thing I've ever heard this guy say." Um, <laughs> but uh, but it was a very smart thing, and I was like, "Yeah, that's how they should end." Anyway, but uh, I'll, I'll that would have been crazy. Quick. But yeah. yeah, number five, Amazing Spider-Man Two, not great. The Gwen Stacy stuff is still really cool though. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is number four, and then number three, Spider-Man Three, number two, Spider-Man One, number one, Spider-Man Two. Yeah. That's it. But good list. Yeah. That's that, Thank you guys for having me on. Oh. All right. It's been great to have you, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking about Spider Man with us. Bye, yeah. Bobby. Enjoy the rest of your discussion. <laughs> Bye. I Bye. hope it goes wonderfully. Bye-bye. Bye, Bobby. Bye, Bobby.
we're gonna take it back to Spider-Man 2. We're gonna revisit that, finish up our discussion there. And I wanna talk about something Bobby did mention, the Aunt May stuff in this one is out of this world. It's so good. Also one of the big pleasant surprise surprises of revisiting this one. Because I haven't seen these like Grammy ones in a couple of years. Like it's been a fat minute. So coming back and watching it, I was I was a little scared because I was like, what if I actually don't like these movies? <laughs> I was terrified that would happen. But they're so mm-hmm. good. They're amazing. And one of the reasons why is this Aunt May and Peter stuff. Because it's a total character piece. This Spider-Man 2 film. And it's just dressed up in all the superhero stuff that's going on. But what we see with Aunt May and Peter is like two amazing moments. The first is when Peter owns up to what he what role he played with Uncle Ben's death. Because he had just not been telling Aunt May the extent of that. Like the fact that he was there, number one, when it happened. And that like he didn't even go to where he said he was. Like there was no need for Uncle Ben to die essentially because he didn't go to the place that he asked Ben to take him to. So Aunt May finds it out and we see her just withdraw her hand, says nothing, doesn't like yell him out, cuss him out or anything, but just withdraws from him and leaves and goes up the stairs, which I think is just so amazing because like that's such a human reaction. I mean, as good as a person Mm -hmm. and understanding and wise as Aunt May is, like when you hear that fact that the person that you loved most of all, that this nephew that you're looking at right in the face has been lying to you about what he knew about it and his role in it. You're going to just have to take yourself out of that situation. And so that was super powerful. And it's also Peter, like having to confront the things that he's responsible for. Like that was on him. So that was just beautiful. And then the second amazing part of the Aunt May Peter stuff is her giving that speech to Peter. I oh, think yeah. it's so pep, underrated. Yeah, oh, this yeah. should be as iconic as Ben's speech to him in Spider-Man 1. Because yeah. she does that whole line about there's a hero in all of us, one that makes us want to be noble, do the right thing, so we can finally die with pride. Sometimes we have to be steady and give up the thing we want the most, which is going back to the idea of what sacrifices are you going to need to take in order to live up to that responsibility that you have. Uh, and so that is beautiful. And of course, that undercurrent of her absolutely knowing that Peter is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But she's giving this pep talk to him in a way that like they're not fully coming out with it. But it's obvious that she's saying like, oh, that little kid helping her move out of the house. She needs Spider-Man. She needs that hero. I need that hero. We all do. Mm-hmm. And then the look on Peter. This is a great moment of Tobey Maguire's acting where like he had the teardrops starting in his eyes, but it wasn't fully coming out like it was nice subtle realization of oh Aunt May is definitely like saying this to me to become Spider-Man again and she is helping me realize the value that I have as this hero like it was probably blind to him when he was suffering all those consequences as Peter uh, earlier in the film Mm -hmm. but then he's seeing like oh this wasn't just like me needlessly suffering for no reason I am an inspiration to the people in the city I do make things better is that a sacrifice that I'm willing to take on again, making my own life worse just so that things can be better for everyone else around me so I can be that hero for them? And then he obviously ends up doing that, and it's just so good. It's the best superhero pep talk out there. Beautiful. Okay, this might be a little 
uh, rewinding back a bit, but like two minutes ago when Zach was fixing his mic, because Ryan, your shoulder is like up against the frame on your screen and he's right next to you on this side, it looked like Ryan's hand was coming up and fixing Zach's <laughs> mic. <laughs> and it looks very funny. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I totally agree that all the AMA stuff is really done well in this movie. I think she has such a, a better role in this than in the first one because she's just so present in Peter's everyday life. And she's so like present in all the action. And I think it's all great that she's a part of that. And I think she is just such an important character in this one. She takes on Uncle Ben's role as his his just sole parental figure in this one. I think that's great. Yeah, and I feel like that relationship between them is so much more palpable than the other movies, like mm-hmm. other franchises or whatever. Like Sally Field and Andrew Garfield, I feel like no chemistry really. Same yeah. with the uh, I don't know, just like the Tom Holland, young Aunt May dynamic, I'm, I've never really been a fan of, really. Yeah. So, seeing them interact, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I feel like in my mind, Aunt May is Rosemary Harris. Yeah, and I agree. It It's just strange to see other Aunt Mays. I feel like they haven't been able to nail Aunt May like they have with... Uh, I mean, I know that like my... Spider-Man is Tobey Maguire, but they have really mm-hmm. nailed the young Spider-Man with Tom Holland, but I feel like they haven't been able to nail that Aunt May character ever since. Yeah, I think the Ant-Man, the video game, the PS4 video game is also a really good yeah. version. Yeah, like, I think her it. presence in that game is really strong, and I think she has a very, like, like Aunt May feel to her, in the same way that Rosemary Harris does. Yeah, that that is definitely one of the better Aunt Mays out mm-hmm. there, is that video game. <clears throat> And then following the pep top, do we get him on the rooftop? Is that like the next part after they talk or no? I know. Don't you watch it most recently? Do you remember the exact? Like, does, he to, like, don't think does he try to make that jump or no? I remember. Like right after. Okay. But it could be. I don't think it is. I think the scene that comes because like he's giving up Spider-Man completely now and he's just like being himself and then Aunt May finally gives him that pep talk and he's coming back. And I think it might be around the time he goes to have the talk with uh, MJ about like w- what he's feeling and stuff, and then Doc Ock attacks. It's like something like that. It builds into that in a way. Because gotcha. then he has to like he has to become Spider Man, and he steals the suit back from J. Jonah Jameson to go fight Doc Ock. Oh, uh, and that's a great scene on the train. Is- yeah, but yeah. what I also think was really important, really smart that they did is he does like that rooftop scene p- comes before the MJ talk. Mm-hmm. So he does make the conscious decision to become Spider-Man again. Mm-hmm. And he tries it and then his powers still haven't fully come back. But then he goes to talk with MJ and still, despite having his powers, he's like, no, we can't be together again. Like he again refuses mm-hmm. um, to open up that relationship because he's choosing that responsibility. He's making the sacrifice that he needs to. So I love that they did that because it's mm-hmm. if he would have like had to do it, like suddenly chooses to be Spider-Man and gets the powers back just because MJ's captured. I really, it would have like compromised this arc and this growth that he's going through. He's doing it not because he like has to, has to, like he is choosing to do it. And it's also a good way, a good step up from the first film where you could sense like there's some sort of obligation. Like he does it because of those words and he's sort of still feeling that guilt around Uncle Ben's death. So he's like, okay, mm. this was his final lesson to me. I owe it to him to do this to, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. But now, he gave that up, like that conversation with Ben, like that yeah. little dream sequence where he's like, I love that dream sequence because he's sitting in like the car seat and he's mm-hmm. just having like almost the same conversation, but in a way it's like 
it's the it's the after the fact conversation of like yeah i've done it now and i've had that responsibility and what if it's too much what if it's not what i want to do you know exactly yeah so he's essentially saying like i can't do this just for you i need to think about myself here and so he says spider-man no more he gets rid of that but then he goes through that uh growth and decides okay i will do this i'm choosing to do this for me because i see the positive impact that it has and i'm willing to take that sacrifice i know now what those consequences are of living up to those words and fulfilling that responsibility and i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take that i'm gonna do that sacrifice so mm-hmm. that is fantastic and they speckle in these like moments where you see him dealing with that like that first in the uh raindrops keep on my head montage where he just sees the ambulances <laughs> go by and takes a big Easy. bite hot dog <laughs> that's great and then later we see him walk past this guy getting mugged and he's like looking at it and he's like ah, how should i do something but then he chooses not to he walks away and then later when there's this burning building that's the best part yeah, yeah his that's immediate instinct scene. is to get into the suit but obviously he doesn't have it anymore and he still doesn't have his powers at this point but he still mm-hmm. goes in to save this kid which is it's such a cute scene when he's like hanging off and she starts lifting him up oh it's amazing <laughs> it was like the cutest thing ever but yeah, so he it shows that again, like this is in his blood. Like he does instinctually want to help people and do the right thing. And so even when he didn't have powers, he was doing that. Even when he wasn't in the Spider Man mantle, he was still doing that. So I love that they showed that little progression as well as he comes back to taking on the role of Spider Man. Great stuff. I mean, that is why like that very personal, deep character study that this film does. Flawless. Fantastic amazing yeah i feel like this i feel like this and also like just basically any superhero movie that kind of strips the superhero costume away from like the main character the superhero all that kind of stuff i feel like always resonates a lot more with me Mm -hmm. and just shows like truly who are they as a character and i feel like this is definitely the pinnacle of like Mm -hmm. spider-man in the film medium at least I feel like a video game like Spider-Man PS4 can explore it a little bit deeper, but in a film format, I feel like this is like top tier Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Like you can't really do any better than this. It may not be my favorite just because of like personal nostalgia and like just like memes and everything. (laughs) But like this movie legitimately is like easily the best. Like I feel like this movie really just gets that Spider-Man character the best. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay, so we got to talk about it. The iconic sequence, the train sequence, which also yes. follows the mm-hmm. like bank fight between Doc Ock and Spidey, which is also great. Like them just hanging off on the building. Mm-hmm. Like, that stuff works. But that CGI holds up too. Yeah, it does. It, it does. For mm-hmm. such old CGI, I'm very outdated. It still holds up pretty well. It's because it's happening so quick and because they know when to cut, not to hold. It's like a magic trick because you're not really focusing on the CGI so much. You're more focusing on the action of what's going on that they can hide this sort of bad CGI in, and so it still holds up so 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 many years later. Hundred percent. So yeah, that is great, and also thank God that they used like practical effects for Doc Ock's arms, arms. and mechanical. Oh, arms. they like, look a lot so of yeah, good. they look amazing. They're just as good. As like the, the shots song. when they're doing the hospital scene, the shots of just the arms, just like their puppets, and they're moving through the room with the sounds that go with it, just sell it so hard. Yeah. It, it reminds me of. In Evil Dead, the tree sequence, it's just like the puppetry that goes into it and the cameras that are following these puppets is just what sells it so much. The same thing with uh, Little Shop of Horrors. It's just 
it just makes it so much more realistic and so much more like impactful. And I love the puppetry that they're doing here. It's just awesome. Yeah. That's why I do love uh, kind of piggyback, not really talking about the train sequence, but just Doc Ock as a character. I feel like it's Mm -hmm. such like a grounding villain in this movie. And I feel like that physical nature of like, oh, his arms are really there really just adds to like just mm-hmm. that physical nature of like oh this guy's like actually like mm-hmm. in this world and everything because when i see i mean I'm, i i like the idea of mysterio but when i see mysterio when i see like what's his name vulture lizard electro i don't believe that they're actually there or even yeah. venom and uh spiron three like i don't believe that they're actually really fighting like i believe mm-hmm. doc ock and spider-man are that's why i'm worried about no way home is because doc ock's arms are going to be completely cgi that whole movie yeah 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 that, it's going to be that's one of that's the main be... worries yeah that's one of but the main even worries in, even in the first spider-man there are shots of green goblin chasing uh spider-man while he's on the glider and it's really just a guy on a fake glider on like a crane going after him and so like you're really selling some of these practical things that blend in with the CGI to make it one cohesive thing. That mm-hmm. is great. And I feel like No Way Home is just heavily relying, instead of trying to hide the CGI in good editing and practical effects to make it seem real, they're really taking it to heart and saying, we can make good CGI now, take a look at it. And like, yeah, it's great and all, but it doesn't sell it as well, you know? For sure. I don't really it- think Tom Holland's in danger, you know? There's no arms really gripping him and crushing him. When you watch... Toby McGuire, Spider-Man in the arms, crush his head. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. actually getting crushed in those, you know? It's selling it. Yeah, and I feel like that's one of the main worries about No Way Home is just mm-hmm. how Marvel-fied are we going to yeah. get these Sam Raimi people? Mm-hmm. How much I'm, is it going to be a CGI slugfest, you know? Like, like yeah. all the later ones, yeah. I feel like, like Electro and Lizard and even Sandman were really blending better than mm-hmm. like Doc Ock and Green yeah. Goblin. Because they're already like CGI fests and everything, and they're kind mm-hmm. of more in line with how and their models. character design will at least be better. So, like, yeah. we're at least getting an improvement. But with this one, with the same ones, I feel like it might be a downgrade, which is what I'm worried about. Yeah, like you're going to get like the epic Duck Hawk. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like the Raimi movies, they work well because it's like the real Duck Hawk. Mm-hmm. And like when you see Duck Hawk really like, like coming down, like, when he's inching after throwing the car into the cafe or whatever, mm-hmm. he's really like on a crane and everything. Like he's, he's coming in like on a crane and it feels like he's actually in the scene. The, obviously the arms are fake and everything, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's more of that physical feeling. Whereas this movie for uh, no way home is going to be completely CGI fest and it just won't feel real. And that's yeah. what I think is going to be like the, the main thing to get over in the movie is does it, feel like the Raimi movies or does it just feel like the Raimi property inside a Marvel movie? Yeah, I think it's going to be the latter, but still it'll be still fun to see. Oh yeah, first night, amazing. How is it going to hold up? We'll see. Yeah, (laughs) Can it be as good 17 years on as this? Yeah. Yeah. These movies are timeless. Like Mm. These Raimi movies are like some of the best superhero movies like ever made. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. So the train sequence. One oh, of the best so superhero sequences yeah. ever. Oh, probably yeah. the best. I mean, think of a better one. You know, you just—it's so hard to. It's just so flawlessly like calculated and performed. When you're thinking of like doing these set pieces for an action sequence, it's like how many obstacles can you throw at your hero? And it is just nonstop in the sequence. He's pushing 
Peter off the train. He's throwing people at Peter that Peter has to catch. He's punching him. He's pushing him. He's hurting innocent people. He's just like pushing him to his limits. And Peter, just like Spider-Man, just like Peter, cannot catch a break in this sequence. Like it's just nonstop for him. He has to slide along between cars to get back onto the train. He has to swing along. And then he has to stop the train from going off the edge and it just pushes him to his limits and he can't do it anymore. It's just, it's so perfect how well it coincides with the story. And this, this sequence is just built up in such a great way. And also just such a classic, like, film, like, location for, like, an mm-hmm. action scene. Yeah. I feel like you really get Sam Raimi's love for just, like, filmmaking through scenes like this, which I feel mm-hmm. like you never get in, like, the other Spider-Man movies. You see like how this movie is like truly a film and mm. like just setting it on a train and you get all these like crazy camera moves and just that sense of pace and sense of just filmmaking and storytelling. I feel like it's so present in this scene that you never really see in any other Spider-Man really Marvel movie ever made. Yeah. I remember being a kid and I had my Legos and I'd try to recruit, like, like try to, like, build my own sort of scenes in this way where I'd have the antagonist and I'd have the protagonist and I'd try and build out, like, vehicles or locations where they could fight on and how that would develop and stuff. And I'm just, like, watching, like, Spider-Man 2 or, like, the Indiana Jones sequences, I'm like, they're just, they're flawless in the way that they yeah. execute these set pieces and how they design it to be uh, harder and harder for the, the hero to get past. I think it's just fantastic. And this is a prime example of, of that just Spider-Man on the train, just trying to save everybody and find MJ. And he just can't. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I feel like it's a great like action scene, but it also has like that horror element when Doc Ock like disappears to the other side of the train. And there's like that moment where the the fight kind of breaks up and he's trying to find him. Mm -hmm. And And he's uh, like, yeah, he's like crawling around. It's kind of like jaws in the water of the the arms. I don't know. It's just Mm. a really cool melding again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of horror movie. stuff with uh, uh, Doc Ogg. Like every time he he have the pounding and it like crash zooms in on people mm-hmm. as you hear that pounding coming. Mm-hmm. And the best one is with uh, Harry Osborn when he's just listening to it. He looks left, and then he looks all the way right, and then he looks forward, and then he leans forward, and then boom, the the arm just comes out of nowhere and just pounds him right in the face. Yeah, <laughs> it really sells it. It's just that's the best thing about having a horror director is they make the villain scary. Which yeah. I feel like you, it you don't really like need it because I mean a, a villain can be whatever, but it just adds that extra layer when you have your villain be like, oh, this is a menacing force, like this is scary. Like I feel like all the best horror directors turned comic book movie directors, they bring that to the table, and it's just amazing yeah. to see. Having scary villains is great, mm-hmm. especially in super in superhero movies. Like it just sells it so much harder. It's yeah, very true. Makes it so dynamic, but then it, they also, like, at least in this case with Raimi, he's also able to make these scary, terrifying villains sympathetic. Like I believe in every single one of these films, like the villain usually gets attached to an alter ego that makes them evil. So like the Gobby serum <laughs> in the first one, um, then here are those mechanical arms that are essentially controlling Otto. Since that's broken, and then the third one, I mean, Sandman, we see, like, his reasoning for it, and then Venom, like, Eddie Brock is getting, his worst impulses are getting heightened by the symbiote. So in each of these cases, like, there's an actual person behind the villain, and we're seeing, like, what is making them evil, making these do these horrible things, and there's always that opportunity that maybe 
they can be saved maybe they can be reasoned with and in this film they do that and i love the way that we had initially that peter parker and Otto octavia's connection like we spend time with them having that scene and we also see him dealing with rosie so we see his love of uh his rosie. wife and then how that gets Rose. taken away um but then we get that important line early on about intelligence uh, is not a privilege. It is a gift to be used for the good of mankind, which is a big parallel to that with great power comes great responsibility. And I love that Peter, the way that he saves the day here isn't through beating up Otto Octavius. It's through talking with him and making him remember that important philosophy he had, taking off the mask to assume that he's Peter and him having this, I didn't like him doing the work of spider-man is that idea of when you have this great power when you have intelligence you should be using it for good not for these horrible consequences these outcomes and that helps Otto realize oh this has gone too far i need to stop this i can't mm -hmm. die a monster i need to do the right thing here and mm -hmm. then he is able to overcome the mechanical arms which is yeah. also a one of my favorite bits where he's like, listen to me now. Like, that is amazing. <laughs> it is so yeah. good. Yeah. Mm. I love that he also, like, uses the lesson that he's learned throughout the movie and tries and imparts it onto Doc Ock as a way to convince him. Like, he's saying sometimes you have to sacrifice what you want the most to do what's right. Exactly. And that's, like, the entire thing he's learning this whole movie. And it's the same thing that Doc Ock has to learn. So he teaches it to him. And it's, it's just it's perfect. It's literally it's like just a perfect. tight script. It seriously is. It's like through and through fantastic yeah. yeah those first two raimi movies like their writing is just so like on the money like yeah the, just the second one is just so on the money it's just perfect yeah <laughs> especially the second one yeah the yeah. second one is just like pretty perfectly well written as just a movie like you got your stakes you got your messaging and every every scene feels like integral yeah it is a perfect film and it's probably the best live action superhero movie of all time i don't know i feel like dark knight's probably my favorite superhero movie but you can call it because this one definitely feels more like a like comic book movie like if you had to yeah yeah think about what yeah. comic books usually are going for like this is a great representation of that yeah. and in it of course weaves in all the great aspects of filmmaking and storytelling mm -hmm. um, so yeah it's definitely i mean it's up there it's one of those two i feel yeah like, it's really sure. like either one like if you pick dark knight then yeah if you pick spider-man 2 then yeah like it's just those mm. are the two best i don't think Both there's are, really both are valid choices for sure. Yeah. And then there's Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> As your third? As my third. Just saying yeah. No, it's, it's not actually. It is third. a comic book movie. It is a comic book movie. <laughs> it is a comic book movie. Yeah. And right behind that, Far From Home. <laughs> oh, God. They do fall on the list somewhere. <laughs> They're somewhere. They are somewhere on there. <laughs> and then in that final battle, we also get MJ and Peter, the big climax of that romantic arc that was going on mj finds out sees yeah. Peter in the spider-man suit mm -hmm. and that's great and then the, and her look is so perfect in this i scene. know like the oh the cinematography on this there's so many just gorgeous shots yeah Which again, like compare any still from the raimi trilogy with the mcu movies or even the amazing spider-man ones and this is no contest the raimi yeah. ones are always going to win out mm -hmm. just that do the dolly ends on them and oh, mm -hmm. it's so perfect like her her just realization is so like palpable like it's just so it's such a good moment. i know you truly feel it and yeah of course these other movies because this was done so well they have to do different routes and of course it's not gonna be as effective because there's not enough build up but the amazing spider-man we find out 
Gwen finds out halfway through the first movie. And then in the Tom Holland ones, Michelle isn't even really the love interest in the first one. And then the second one, she also finds out halfway through and it's her going like, oh, yeah, I knew. Like, we don't get that big, amazing. Yeah. And reveal, like a conversation. Which MJ, yeah. Which MJ also knew. Like, she always had that feeling. Like, there were many clues that she had picked up on. But this is like finally seeing it come true. Like that impossible fantasy of Spider-Man yeah. that being Peter like, Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Being Peter like they Parker. They are one of the same. Like, it's that thing of like. It couldn't possibly be true, but what if it is? Like that is like her ultimate fantasy is that this dream guy Spider Man is also her best friend, the, the the man she wants to fall in love with, Peter. Like imagine if they're one and the same, but then it turns out they are, and it's perfect for her. Exactly, and everything's lining up. <laughs> and then the great scene of like the one side of the building about to collapse on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Toby's great scream. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <scary>. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. He's a good screamer as well. Um, this is my favorite shot in the movies because it's just a normal shot of him and then he just screams. <laughs> <laughs> Went all out. But yeah, and then he catches it and then they, they do their little, hi, that thing. And then he's like, this is really heavy. Uh, <laughs> like, and then meanwhile, so Doc Ock is killing himself. <laughs> yeah, he's doing what he's he needs literally to do. just dying. He also has a great scream. It's just, he does. Oh, oh. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, fantastic endings on both fronts. And again, yeah. it's not like one of those crazy CGI fests at the end. It was a human resolution to this issue that was happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just phenomenal. It really is. Mm-hmm. Another scene that I really like in this movie is when he's on the payphone after the whole like play. Like he he didn't show up to the play and everything, and he's calling. Oh MJ. yeah, yeah. I feel like that scene like we can say all we want that like toby's like awkward and like kind of just like a weird like old man playing spider-man i feel like that scene just shows why he is why that awkwardness really worked for him because mm-hmm. that just uh, building into like the big scene that we were talking about then with like her realization like finally that weight being lifted off of his shoulders you see how much it's like really realistically kind of weighing on him in that scene because he's awkwardly just like yeah i'm spider-man crazy right like like i don't know i feel like it just connects a lot more because he is awkward and like he is very just like Mm -hmm. kind of a weird spider-man but feels much more human as a spider-man versus like everyone else like that's my spider-man yeah i agree and then the ending ending of it which again i think is phenomenal is peter once again he's like because you will be in danger and i have to live up to this responsibility that i have for myself we can't be together she's like okay and then the whole wedding thing which also great moments from jay jonah jana jameson dude when he's like call the caterer Tell her to <laughs> the so good so funny uh. <laughs> so that we get that and then she's running through the park which again i am pro her running through the park i think it works like i really do yeah. of it. like it's, it's, like, it's like a rom-com yeah it's, it's her leaning into it's that whole fantasy i mean like i'm gonna do this crazy thing um and finally end up with the person that i've been wanting to so she Report goes for john jameson yeah get right. <laughs> stand-up guy and he gets stood up a bit of a he hunk to too he was he was looking kind of yeah he like, was. Why and the you... first astronaut to play football on, oh, the, on the moon, moon. <laughs> yeah uh, i love that but <laughs> yeah finally <laughs> going to peter and saying like look this needs to be part of my choice. Why would we want to just be half alive? Let's be happy. 
even if the danger is going to be there, which I also think is great that MJ got attacked earlier in the film by Doc Ock just because she was a friend of Peter. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't the connection with Spider-Man. It was, he was going after Peter and MJ still was at risk. So the danger is like always going to be there. So why not choose to be happy? So I love that they went that route as well. Um, And yeah, and then they're together and then he has to get pulled into action. Go get him tiger. And then we see him doing the swinging, which also we're missing that like the big finale swings. Yeah. I was just going to bring that up. Like, you never like get those anymore. Like yeah. those are great swings, yeah. too. Yeah, they're so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's so heroic at the end. Like just that like booming like score and everything, and him just swing through the through the city and everything. You just feel like the climax of the movie. Like it's like oh, we're going out on like this huge high note. And mm-hmm. in the first two movies, the third movie swinging, I don't really remember. No, oh, it looks bad. Yeah. It looks so bad in the third. There's a shot where it's it's Peter fighting Harry, but it's just like Peter, Peter, and not Spider Man. And it's just it's Tobey Maguire. And he's holding onto a wire, and yeah, his and legs like, are just stretched out. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, and he's just uh, spinning in a circle, and it just looks horrible. God, yeah. I need to rewatch this scene because I don't think it was that. Bad. Oh, it's They're so like bad. hating on it. I it's, just don't. It's so funny. I love it for that, but it is definitely a step. It's down unintelligible. From- yeah <laughs> it's fine it's fine no. okay we're gonna do our our ratings so out of five runaway train induced constipation faces <laughs> what will you give spider-man to matt i think this one also gets a five i think the first two definitely get fives for sure five out of five yeah I, I i think nostalgia aside this one probably is like objectively the strongest of the trilogy but you know, like nostalgia does play a factor. So <laughs> it, it, five out of five, just purely great. Mm-hmm. So would you say Spider-Man Two is like the better movie than Spider-Man One? Or I, I think it's probably like the more solid movie. Yeah, yeah. But just like personal things, I think I like one more. Yeah, yeah. All right, Zach, how about you? Your rating? This is a five out of five as well. <laughs> Not even like gonna sugarcoat it. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, right. This is like if you don't give this a five out of five, Dylan. <laughs> if you don't we're give gonna, this a five out of five, like, yeah, we're gonna beat you <laughs> up. No, this is like, this is like legitimately just like a perfect like movie, perfect superhero movie, just mm-hmm. the best like best Spider-Man movie objectively. I think I do like one, just like Matt, just because of like personal reasons, and. Even three, I've probably seen more and probably have more of a connection to, but this is most definitely like the best Spider Man movie by, by mm. far. Gotcha. All right. I am also going to give it a five out of five for all the reasons Ooh. you said with nostalgia lenses on. It's incredible, amazing, beautiful. Five out, of five, five out of five. You take it off, the filmmaking, storytelling, all of it is actually so incredibly well done that I still think it's deserving of a five out of five. It's just amazing. Dylan, are you going to break our hearts? Are we going to have to put some dirt in your eye? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There has never been and may never be a better superhero movie ever made. So I will proudly give this a 4.5. No, I'm kidding. It's a 5 out of (laughs) 5. It is flawless. It's perfect. It is, without a doubt, just the best superhero movie ever made. So it is a full 5 out of 5. You just can't get better than this. 
Exactly. There you go. Full fives Thank all God. around. Thanks, man. Too. As it should be. As it should be. As it should be. Now right. the interesting one. <laughs> yep. I'm gonna let you guys just go off on what you love, and I'm just gonna be nitpicky and pull it apart. So, because I saw this literally today, so we can just go right at it. Tell me what you guys love about this movie, so I can oh, see man. shit all over your love. Dylan, what you didn't have time to reflect on it. It's a no, very I have mature, a I know exactly. Piece. I can tell you exactly which scenes I loved and exactly which scenes I don't. So you go for it. Try, try and convince me. Try. And, I already know exactly how I'm going to rate it, but you, you try, you try. Gotcha. Okay, Matt, let's start off with you. Talk to us about the things you enjoy about this film. Oh, let's gosh. build it up. Gosh. Okay. I mean, Spider-Man Three is a unique one. It's very. <laughs> it is different from one and two. It tries to do similar things, and it doesn't necessarily hit them the same way. But it does deliver on the memes, which yes, does, it does give it the most points. important factor. It, yes, it, it, it is it is the best meme movie, and I think that is part of what really saves it for me. Is that those add to it now? Like you've mm. got the, the the dance scene. I agree with you. All of the dancing, all of it, the whole montage, all of that. I don't know. It all just it comes together in a nice way now, where it just I don't know. There isn't much that takes away from it anymore. It's just like, yeah. it's like candy. I don't know. This movie is just fun. <laughs> the ridiculous factor on some of these scenes is just way off the charts compared to the first two movies. Yeah. yeah. The entire the entire emo Toby. Emo, yeah, it's just it's yeah. ridiculous. It's just <laughs> off the walls. Crazy. The whole jazz sequence where they're just in the jazz club and he's just playing the piano. He's like, this one's for you. And it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I just can't believe like that is a scene I love. That is genius. Like that it belongs in this movie. There are other things that don't, but the ridiculous stuff is perfect for this film. I love all of that stuff. Every his street dancing when he changes outfits, uh, all the bullying stuff he does, I think is just fantastic. When he says, "I'm going to put dirt in your eye," when he says, <laughs> when he says, "Oh, Goblin Junior." Gonna get a cry. cry. <laughs> it's it's great stuff. It is genuinely awesome. But there's other stuff that's bad, and and I will wait for you guys to bring it up for me to to <laughs> punch down on it. But there are some great things in here. Okay, I feel I feel like yes, like it's very meme. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people don't bring up enough just how much elements of like the first two that are great in the first two are carried over into this movie. Like you still got those villains that feel like they're really like humans and, and like like sympathetic mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Sometimes. like to- yeah, Topher Grace is a little like mainly Sandman. Little- Sandman, yeah, Sandman is the best villain in this movie. Yeah. Even yeah. even uh, I mean, oh, I and, and, he- and Harry. Yeah. Yeah, Harry, Harry has moments in the second half that I really like, but his whole amnesia stuff is just so stupid. Oh, but it, but oh, I it's good it. so it's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. But he catches it the is basketball. The, I like. Uh, I love parts. I love that it's just James Franco being James Franco and that he's just silly. <laughs> like, like I do love his performance in that regard, but the whole idea of it is just dumb. But him I'm... and the him once he gets his memory back is great. Yeah. And Sandman like... is great throughout, but Toe for Grace, Eddie Brock is just a misstep, bro. It's just so yeah. bad. I feel like he's he's definitely not great for the role, I will admit. Mm-hmm. He's probably my weakest link of the movie, yeah. just because I feel like he is Mimi, but not in like 
kind of a funny way. Like he's just kind of like, eh, yeah. I just feel weird. like his character the whole way through is just such comic relief, and then he becomes a serious character out of nowhere. And it's like, what are you doing? What? Yeah. This kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I get what they're going for. Like he's more smarmy in this mm-hmm. than he is like in comics or even in like the new Venom movies. Like the new Venom movies, he's just. I don't even know what he is in these new kind of movies. He's just Tom <laughs> Hardy. He's I just Tom Hardy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like, yeah, like they're more, they have like bad moments and everything. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like the the James Franco resolution in this movie, I feel like is very strong. Yeah, I do like that. Like mm-hmm. when he's stabbed and like that moment when they're Bro, it's his own together, glider. Yeah, like just like his dad, like Peter by kind of, his own glider. Yeah, like it's like that's the kind of stuff I feel like people don't bring up enough. Where it's oh, like, really? yeah, like emo, like Bully McGuire and everything is like it's, it's incredible. Funny. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. Like yeah. everything to do with emo McGuire is a masterpiece. And Bully <laughs> McGuire, yeah, yeah. There's that moment that you bring up, like the ending with Harry and they, MJ and Pete are down yeah. watching him die essentially, mm-hmm. and they're crying over him. As a little kid, that made me cry so much. Yeah, like it was like one of the first, like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I do think. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I do think like the third act is kind of like a saving grace. Like that that final fight does bring it back around Mm -hmm. and you end strong, which is a really good thing for the movie because there is a lot of (laughs) ups and downs and (laughs) sidetrack moments. It's also stupid how Sandman and Venom team up. Yeah. It comes nowhere, like like Eddie nowhere, Brock. Nowhere. Eddie Brock so becomes close. Venom and then just finds Sandman. Is like I've been looking for you. You want to kill <laughs> Spider Man? And then like Sandman just kind of nods. And then they're just together. They're in cahoots. And then you get the third act, you get the the final the battle. It just comes out of nowhere. I want to so kill Spider Man. You want you want to kill Spider Man? <laughs> but us, he can't stand a chance. What do you say? <laughs> it's so bad. Also, like, kind of a really bad Venom design. Yeah, it's so but... hard to watch Venom talk, and it's just Topher Grace talking. Yeah. Like, with the new Venom, at the very least, they changed Tom Hardy's voice to be a Venom voice. It's yeah. just Topher Grace's normal voice. And it's just, it, it just takes all the intimidation, just sucks it right out. It's just gone. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely not a, like, especially, like, him coming from Evil Dead, where it's not like he's, he doesn't know how to make, like, someone transform into yeah. another being. Like he, he knows how to do it, but he just kind of kept Topher Grace as Venom and didn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And even like had him like in the Venom costume, but it's just Topher Grace's face. And he's like, I feel my spider sense tingling, like that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> If you know um, what I mean. If you know what I mean. <clears throat> but if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, See, he's yeah. still, even as Venom, he's still just the comic relief, which is just bad. It's just bad planning. Yeah, Eddie like, Brock should never have been the comic relief. He should have just been the foil to Spider to Peter Parker that builds into Venom. Because Venom is the foil to Spider-Man, and that would have been fine. Like that whole idea of them competing for the picture is a great idea, but Topher Grace being the comic relief is just stupid. Just yeah, so I do, bad. I do like your idea about or I don't know if it was Ryan's or your idea. It was Bobby, I think. Oh Bobby. About oh. Venom being in the next one? Yeah, like at the yeah, end. I, I agree. Like that would have been that would have been cool. Like, yeah, yeah. Vulture would have been really good, but like that if would have they, been Spider-Man 5. Yeah. Like if <laughs> we they, should have had a double trilogy. I mean, then you get Spider-Man really, 6, and it's the Sinister 6. It's perfect. <laughs> it would yeah, have been like, perfect. You just they, bring them all back from the dead. <laughs> if they just, like, doubled down... If they really wanted Venom, like, they should have just teased it at the end. Like, 
I don't know yeah, why sure. they did. Well, I like, and this was a question I was going to ask about, like, what would you guys have changed? Because a lot of the criticism is it's overstuffed. Too much is going on. That but I true. feel like there's, like, reasons for each of what they're doing. Like, with Harry, mm -hmm. they had to follow that up. Like, you can't just not continue that thread. Amnesia's stupid. That's stupid, yes. But then with Sandman as well, you're, and we can talk about the retconning of Uncle Ben's death, how we feel about that. But with mm -hmm. that, you're trying to bring up this, like, the worst like the weak spot essentially for peter is uh -huh. getting that constant guilt he feels about it and yeah. so he wants to get retribution immediately but he I has to learn fun. well yeah he has to like there's a purpose to it. he has to learn forgiveness mm -hmm. um which he can extend to sandman flint but he can also extend to himself for the stuff with ben and also all the bad stuff he's done since like getting just very egotistical uh since spider-man's so beloved so like that has a role but then also if you want to flesh out this idea of like peter really leaning into these worst aspects of himself like becoming bully mcguire having the symbiote is helpful to do that because yeah, otherwise 100%. would be really yeah, believe that he true. would do like so much of the things he does like doing that whole thing to mj in the dance club or in the mm -hmm. jazz club um and then like doing what he does to harry and then also even what he does to um you gotta to cry eddie <laughs> when he like shows that eddie was a fraud and mm -hmm. then he like smashes him into the thing and he's like you want forgiveness get religion and just <laughs> makes it he's fired he's out in the street now i um, mean he just doesn't care he like loves it so <laughs> like all that stuff peter wouldn't normally do so having the symbiote heighten those worst aspects of himself that are now coming out is great so maybe the idea I of agree. having the symbiote involved so that we can still get like black suit spidey and bully mcguire but then they leave it off like he rips the symbiote away, but he didn't fully get rid of all of it. And then it like latches onto Eddie at the end. Mm -hmm. That would be the good setup for Spider-Man uh, yeah. 4. Yeah, Venom and Eddie in the next one. And it also gives it gives Hover Grace's character enough time to change so that he's no longer the comic relief once he becomes Venom. Like you could even still keep him as the comic relief as Eddie Brock, even though I hated it. But the idea of continuing that on as he's Venom is just so dumb. It just like it ruins that character who's supposed to be like the bad bad guy of the movie like there's sympathy for harry and there's sympathy for sandman but there's not supposed to be a lot of sympathy for for venom because he's at the end of the day, eddie brock is a schmuck and like even though toby is like picking on him as a bully and stuff he's still just a schmuck through and through <laughs> well, yeah in this portrayal at least not maybe not in the comics but in this specific type of eddie brock he's a schmuck honestly i don't know what sandman's real purpose is in this movie like it was the forgiveness yeah yeah i guess so yeah but the uh, i don't know like i feel like when you explain all the roles of the characters mm -hmm. i feel like i see more of a reason for venom to be in the movie than sandman because i feel like we really got like that that forgiveness and like him giving up on like that that uncle ben type of stuff and like the the first one and the second one like i feel like it's not really like a required plot point anymore whereas i feel like obviously like harry is required like you need to back that up i think the but, idea is to like push peter to his worst with the symbiote and then try and bring him back to his best and his best would be forgiving the person who killed uncle ben but at this point that guy's dead so they have to retcon it and make it a different guy and they made mm -hmm. a sandman which is a little silly and it's kind of a crazy rewrite that's coming in out of nowhere yeah, but they yeah. do kind of make it work because Sandman's great in this movie. Sandman is the best part. He's so cool. I love Sandman. I loved him when I was a kid. 
and I still love him now. I think he's awesome. When he becomes Sandman, that is a great scene. It's so yeah. cool looking. When he's like just like crawling and he's just like a pile of sand. Like it doesn't look great or anything, but it's just so emotional to see him just like try and reconcile the fact that he's just sand now. Right. It's definitely aged a bit, but it still packs that it's punch. Like yeah. him picking up the locket. Mm-hmm. And he can't do it, so he has to like stretch and fully form fingers in order to do it, and then he mm-hmm. becomes himself again. It's so cool. Like yeah, that's all Shut fantastic. Um, but yeah, I just don't know. I still don't know how you feel about the retcon because I understand why weird. they did it. Because like, why else? What else would rile Peter up so much to the fact that he's like now on this quest for vengeance, and he's also sort of pushing MJ away during that moment because um, he like wants to focus on this and wants to. And he's just listening to the police radio only for stuff related to Flint. Like he's mm-hmm. uh, avoiding or ignoring his role as Spider Man just so he can get this piece of revenge. Um, I don't know how else you would get Peter to that point unless you brought in that Uncle Ben stuff. Because I wouldn't want like anything bad to happen to Aunt May. That'd be terrible. Uh, and yeah, then that'd be weird. she went through nothing, it the last movie. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so nothing else would like push him to this point where he'd be so vengeful and you can like heighten it with the symbiote as well but where he'd like really be on that quest to just take somebody down so like in ways i see the reasonings they have for it but i also am like ah it's just i, know, I think like, it might be thing. easier i think it might be easier if somehow we were able to know as the audience that it was indeed an accident that was like uncle ben's death because like the whole idea is that he killed uncle ben on accident and he feels horrible about it and he wishes he could take it back and that's how peter's able to forgive him so maybe if the audience was able to know that maybe even if peter knew it but the symbiote pushes his vengeance too far and it's just like trying to get him to grasp that idea of trying to forgive him because like the whole idea is that he has no forgiveness for this person until the very end when he learns the truth and then he's able to forgive him and it's like it does kind of come very quickly even though it is great if it was the whole movie that he's wrestling with these demons of the symbiote and also his feelings of needing to forgive this person who genuinely just it was just an accident. It wasn't even like out of malice or anything. He just needed the car to save his his daughter like that might have been a better personal struggle for Peter to go through. While at the same time trying to deal with Mary Jane and his relationship problems, because then you've got Spider-Man and he just can't catch a break yet again. And that's like the whole thing that makes it so great is that he is too much to deal with at once. And he's just trying to grapple with it all i feel like this movie is just so i mean obviously people talk about it being cluttered but i feel like it just has really like no objective like it's just kind of like lost Mm -hmm. where i feel like the first one has a clear objective of like he's becoming spider-man and he's got to own up to the task second one is like how How does he come to terms with being spider-man yeah and how do you believe in yourself yeah to be spider-man like it's really about believing yourself what is like the message of this movie? Like, how do you be a good person? Like, I don't know. It's I, I very never, vague. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not really. There's no driving force to this movie, which is why I think it's legitimately the worst Spider-Man movie. But also, I love it for nostalgia and like, mm-hmm. like the memes and everything. Yeah, there's like a lot of good small emotional arcs that are going through that really, like, are good at driving home a good point. But then there's no larger emotional arc yeah. that's coming going through the whole thing that they can all tie into and that's just kind of like the missing piece yeah but i do think this movie does have those raimi things that made those first two special like i yeah, think this, yeah i feel like this movie compare comparatively to what we get like after this and everything 
does stand out in that there are genuine like movie moments like when he comes back as peter at the end after the getting the black symbiote off mm-hmm. and everything. oh yeah that's great mm-hmm. when he's ripping yeah. it off of him that's fantastic yeah oh, oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Whole like church the church scene is pretty good yeah, yeah. that's a great scene. i think that's like i remember liking that... that a lot as a kid yeah yeah that church scene's amazing but also like when uh what's his name james franco new goblin comes in at the end with like the pumpkin bomb and giant sandman for some reason mm-hmm. but that emotion is definitely like them teaming up it is genuinely like a movie thing like yeah i do think this movie is still like leagues above like the other spider-man movies in my mind mm-hmm. even though i do like the new mcu movies or the like the it's definitely above the the amazing spider-man movies those aren't very good but the <laughs> i feel like this movie for all its problems is definitely still an entertaining and i, I think more than competent movie i think it's still a pretty well-made movie like i don't know i feel like this movie it gets a bad rap it does have a lot of problems but it does also have a lot of special things in it which i feel like i would take that over a bland like okay it's good movie. yeah i think like what you said there it's entertaining throughout that's one of the biggest things you can say about this film like that's positive about it you're not really gonna be bored watching it something no. always fun or interesting mm-hmm. entertaining is going on even if it's even if it's something that you can hate Dylan, you're at least <laughs> invested in looking at what's going on and like oh my god the bad cgi in the everlasting alley mm-hmm. that was a great clothesline though that was fantastic. Also, he, Harry would have been dead. I guess he had the serum or whatnot, but that totally should have taken off his head. He would have been yeah. decapitated. Boy. And I also say that I love that Harry's initial plan is to just attack him and then kill him, and then he gets amnesia, which is stupid, and then he had that whole stupid thing where, I mean, he's doing a great performance, and I think it's funny, but it's just still really bad. But then when he gets his memory back, his entire plan after that, like, he does a huge thing where he attacks Mary Jane as New Goblin, you're like, oh, God, where is this going to lead to? And he just... He just forces her to break up with him. And he's like, ha I got him. I, I got his ass. And his whole thing is just like emotionally attacking him and just like beating him down, which is is, is leagues different than anything that any other villain has ever done to Tobey Maguire in any of these movies. Like his whole big plan is to just, just be like, yeah, we're in love now, Peter. Too he bad. Says, he says, I'm the other guy. I'm the other <laughs> it's guy. So good. It's so weird. I, like I did not remember that at all. And so seeing that be his plan was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is he doing? Like, he I love it. I think heart. it's fantastic. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's gonna go and he's gonna get MJ, and so she, he's gonna hold her hostage, like in, in the other two movies. And he goes and he gets her, and I'm like, there it is. It, that's what it's building up to. And that's not what it is at all. Is he just uses her to break his heart, and then that's it. And he lets her go. And <laughs> it's just so funny. That's also a great scene. It's genius. It's just genius. He's at the bridge, and he's like trying, and she's doing it. <laughs> and you see Harry like just watching. watching from afar. Yeah. But it's so funny. She gives out, he brings out like the ring, and is like, this is what we were going to do. This is like, we can repair this. Like that was hardcore. And my yeah. man Harry is watching it, laughing. He's like, dang, I didn't even know he's going to propose. Well, maybe he did. <laughs> but that's, a, that's even Cherry worse pie. than he decided to do it. He's like, I know he wants to do this. Nah, you're breaking up. A great plan from Harry, too. It almost got him, dude. If he didn't have the symbiote on him, he would just be crushed. Very but true. yeah, good good for Harry. He almost got him. He, he went like, for the heart, but in a, in an actual powerful way. I feel like Sam Raimi was kind of like lost in this movie, where he's like, 
I don't. He wants like he has to do the new Goblin thing. But how do you do New Goblin without just doing Spider Man One again? Mm-hmm. That's a and, very good point. Yeah, and well, so because you had the like the friendship built up between Peter and Harry, which was much more close of a relationship. Yeah, but I feel like it's more... still it falls into the the thing that Spider Man One was doing about like like it's like a close familial type of tie and everything. Yeah, and you just don't want to have another Green Goblin as the next villain. Like, you don't want to go from yeah. Green Goblin to Doc Ock back to Green Goblin. You want to do something new. That's true. Yeah. And the other issue is, like, in the third act, when we see them team up, like, Spider-Man and the new Gobby get together because there's two villains, because there's Venom and Sandman, and Spider-Man can't take them both. And we yeah. see that he can't take them both. Um, and so that's why we need him to come through. And then they're teaming up together, and it's that great... Yeah, resolution to the conflict they had. Harry's able to forgive Peter because he gets told by the butler that, oh yeah, actually the the glider did pierce his skin. It was actually his own glider that did it. Which why didn't you tell him that before? <laughs> why were we sitting on that for years and years? You saw that man was going crazy in all this time, glider. and you didn't want to didn't want to spill that bit. Interesting. <laughs> but it, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if I would really like it. But it was interesting that they didn't make Harry Venom. Because I feel like... That would have been interesting. I feel like I, I, that's what the Spider-Man video game did. Yeah, and I'm excited oh, really? about that. Yeah, yeah they, like they're Harry... building up to him being Venom, which is cool. Yeah. Oh. Which I feel like... I don't know if I'd really like it. Because I do like the fact that it's like his father's creation is what makes him bad and everything. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just surprising that if we're doing Venom, New Goblin and uh sandman that we didn't just combine the new goblin like haste and like venomous like personality and everything along with the symbiote like i feel like that's just more of a natural fit that would have been interesting but i don't know if i really like it but it's just interesting that sony didn't say make harry new goblin but or or make harry Harry venom yeah yeah but i don't know i feel like i feel like it would have been more condensed but maybe not as good that's true but you would also risk the like that closure to their relationship at the end of like them teaming up together because how would you Mm -hmm. like resolve that if he's also battling they have to work together to fight off the symbiote and then it takes over eddie and it's them versus eddie (laughs) in the fourth movie the when the symbiote when like eddie stripped from it and it's just him like getting massive and huge Mm -hmm. it's that like it does look cool terrifying hum coming from it that was fantastic Mm -hmm. that was great stuff and also that whole sequence of him like throwing down the metal poles and smacking them around to to get eddie out like that was really well done as well Mm -hmm. i agree I think it's that's the thing about this movie. It all kind of works together, so you can't really move like a piece out without kind of crumbling another piece. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of hard to really like decipher what's really wrong with the movie. I think it's just more so they're just kind of like in a hole where it's just like I don't really know what to do. <laughs> so I think it was kind of I don't know. It's a it's a weird movie, but I feel mm. like Raimi's heart of like I just want to entertain the audience does shine through and i think it still works like i yeah. think this movie genuinely wants to entertain people even if it's being like messed with by the studio and i think it does come through as like an entertaining blockbuster but just flawed but with a lot of really memorable things and i love it because i grew up with it so. mm-hmm. 
Now, out of five bully Maguire finger guns, <laughs> how, how would you how would you guys rate the movies? I'll start with you, Matt. Oh gosh, I mean, it's still high because like this is still like one of the top Spider-Man movies. I think mm. it's flawed, but I think I'd still probably give it like I might give it, like a four point five still. <laughs> Wow. It's high. Wow. Wow. It, it's high. Like I mean, I don't know. It's like four, four point five. Like these are still top tier movies to me. <laughs> Spider Man Three is still good. It's just Zach's... like compared to its brothers, you know. Yeah, Zach's... Yeah. Well, why would you give it like a four point five? Because I I feel like I haven't really heard like why He's throwing out a challenge. Wow, the, the why. <laughs> I just want to hear why you would give it a four point five. Just because I want to like hear the reasoning because i haven't really heard well, yeah, like, yeah. Your defense for yeah i mean i do just like i love the trilogy as a whole and even though this one isn't as good as the others i do think it's still like a lot of the pieces are there they don't come together as well but there are still like if you took some things away from the movie i do think you still have really good bits and really mm-hmm. good moments and better moments than you have in a lot of other spider-man movies so i do still think it's like it's a top not the top tier, but it's still like a high tier Spider-Man movie. So, I don't know. Yeah. Nice. Also, Black Suit Spider-Man is like it is really good. There's some really good Dude, stuff with that. Like, that like there's, there's, there's some first scene. It's so good. Like there's some really good stuff. It's just this is something else. You just have to like pick. <laughs> you have to kind of cherry pick like the great moments from it. And there is yeah. a good movie in there. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think Venom probably needed to be like put off a little bit. I do like the idea of setting him up. And then doing something later with him because there's just too much going on. But I don't know. It, it still works. It still works enough. So yeah, that would have been a great ending to the movie if it was just a shot of Eddie turning into Venom, and then yeah. that's the end. That yeah, been like, really cool. yeah. But also talking about a disappointment not getting Spider-Man Four would have been if you set that up and didn't follow through. Well, they would have. Yeah. Do you think through. if they did set it up like that, then we would have to get four? Sony would not have let that fall through. Like they. I don't know what it is about Venom. They are obsessed with Venom. They are, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would have been pushed Venom into this one. They say, yeah. put him in. We need him. Yeah. Like, said, Venom's cool. Do it. I don't know what it is about Venom and Sinister Six, but they are like obsessed with this stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. But... We'll have to see if, because I mean, historically, when you stuff too many villains into it and Sony gets really involved in trying to have their way with, you got to put this character in, you got to have this and that in there. Mm, the spider-man's dip down in quality yeah because it's too cramped and also yeah. it's a little scary but we had spider-man 3 in 2007 amazing spider-man 2 in, in 2014 and in 2021 we're getting uh, no way home yeah, every seven years that. is there going to be a curse seven years not. spider-man bro oh yeah gosh. i hope it's good we'll Please. see Zach, how would you rank Spider-Man 3 out of five Bully Maguire finger guns? <laughs> I would have to do two ratings. I feel like legitimately, it's like probably a three. But a, like, just my personal feelings, probably a 4.5 as well. So I feel like it's definitely not as high as like, I don't know. Part of me wants to give it a five on like a personal level. Because <laughs> I mean, you do such, you, man. It's such like an important movie, and like just I I haven't really got into this with the uh, on the podcast, but like the reason why Matt and I are really friends, I would think, is because of these Raimi movies. Yeah, the Spider-Man and, movies brought us together a lot. 
especially Spider-Man 3, I feel like. Like, Spider-Man yeah. 3 and Spider-Man 1 are the ones that really brought us together, along with Call of Duty Black Ops. But <laughs> Shout like, out to Call of Duty Black Ops, everybody. Yeah, but I feel like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I'll probably give him a 5 just on a personal level, just because mm-hmm. of how important of a movie it is, mm-hmm. even if it's flawed. But yeah. a legitimate movie, probably a 6. Or <laughs> it's even, it's not even a five, bro. It's so much better than that. <laughs> Next Ryan, person. Ryan, your ranking. I am gonna give it a four point five. I think it's so entertaining, legitimately so. And I also think why there's definitely problems with it. And I was flipping between like a four and a four point five, but I think it is so meaningful. I've seen it so many times, like dozens of times, I think. Um, and it did, like, bro, when I was a kid, anytime that final scene would come on with Harry dying, I would cry. It was so good. And looking back on it now, like, there are good things. Like, Raimi is still trying to craft this super superhero story around this character piece and this relationship between Peter and Mary Jane. And I like the new way that they explored it here. Like, Mary Jane gets a spot on Broadway, but she sucks. And then she's hated. <laughs> <laughs> and so she gets kicked off. And so she's feeling like a failure. She's feeling worthless again, right? So bringing back that idea of how her father treated her and viewed her, and now she's feeling, oh, maybe he was right in that. Now you have Peter, who is this dork, unpopular throughout his whole life. Now he has the girl of his dreams as Peter, so his life is going great there. And Spider-Man is beloved by the city. He gets his whole Spider-Man celebration day. Mm-hmm. So he's getting caught up in his own head, you know, egotistical, like, <laughs> is I'm searching of an icon, something of an icon that's fantastic stuff like that whole dinner scene as well i love that is a great dinner scene the comedy in it is amazing with, whenever with he does the waiter bruce campbell is the waiter he tries to bring over the, the i'll guard ring it with my the, life you want to or bruce campbell's like we oui, yes that is romantic i am french yes <laughs> it's so good so i love all of that um but yeah there's a real genuine like emotional core to their relationship and how Mary Jane is feeling really down about herself lately and Peter is feeling great about himself lately. And we see that he's just not even able to comprehend what she's going through or empathize with her anymore. And that whole kiss thing as well, like him doing the upside down smooch with Gwen, Mm -hmm. which just absolutely shattered her heart because that was their kiss. And he didn't even like, why'd he do that, bro? He knew what that would mean. That is really a scummy thing. Like, right. Was really but bad. he was so blinded by his idea that, oh, yeah, they'll all love this. This will be like front page material. Like I am an icon. He wasn't seeing himself as a hero anymore. He was seeing himself as his mm-hmm. beloved celebrity. And so I love that we explored that uh, aspect of the relationship. And, of course, it fractures even further when he's like leaning into the symbiote stuff. Um, and then I love, love, love the ending where we don't get this crazy triumphant swinging we get this really poignant moment of him coming into the jazz club, her singing, but then stopping when she sees him, and them coming together, embracing and dancing. And that's it. That's the last thing we see. I think that's so beautiful. These two people that have been through so much together, care so deeply about each other, and then they're always there for each other, always to support mm-hmm. each other in the hardest times. So beautiful. I love it. So that, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Bully McGuire finger guns. So, there's no swinging at the end. No, no. it's just them dancing. Well, and it I is remember a that, dancing. Yeah, but there's nothing before that. Like I felt like there was like a swinging scene. 
I don't know because I, I think it goes from Harry dying and then it like fades yeah. away to the sunrise. Maybe I'm thinking of the beginning of the movie because mm. the first one does have like the awkward shots and then you realize yeah, it's on a TV yeah. screen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Of. Those are very awkward shots. They are. Yeah. And how like, it started, like, like today I was watching it at the start and I went, oh, <laughs> yeah, it feels no, like this is not going to be good. <laughs> but speaking of, oh, I'm going to rate it uh, three and a half out of five. Bully wow. Yeah, that's okay. good, though. We, yeah. we three and a half is not or... great. I was thinking that's about making score. it a three, but I brought it to three and a half because I do like individual things they do. I like I do like what they do with all the characters and how they do have their own little individual arcs within the story. But I do feel like that those little individual arcs do not tie together very well into one cohesive th- emotional through line that they could have. And so I feel like it does fall flat on that front. But I love Sandman. I love Harry in the second half. I love everything they're doing with MJ. I love Peter's bully phase. Like there are great moments in this, but it doesn't have that emotional through line that would have made. Harry's death even more impactful. That would have made Sandman's forgiveness even more impactful, and that would have made Venom like a better character. So like it doesn't have those punches that the other ones really get. So it's a three and a half. Gotcha, but that's still good. What do you mean? Like three point five is a good rating. It's not great for it's not compared great. to four compared to four and a half and five. Like, <laughs> well, that's true. On. But I think I was expecting lower. I was I too. Was, well, because we, we didn't like have the. It was going to be three. It was going to be three, but then I really thought about it. I really thought about the things that I did like, and so I we, bumped that up a half. We bumped mm-hmm. up those rookie numbers. That's yeah. what I like mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Okay. So, Wall Street and me. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, those are rookie numbers. You got to bump those up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we already talked about our favorite Spidey. We are all in agreement. It McGuire. is Tobey Maguire. Now yes. we're going to do our ranking of the live action Spider Man movies. So, think back on them. We have the seven. Mm-hmm. We had the this trilogy, two Amazing Spider-Mans, two MCU's. So I'm gonna start off with Matt. Or should right. we do it? No, no. Should we do the full list, or should we go like seven, 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 six, 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 five, five, five? You guys. Yeah, we do our, Yeah, what's our? What's everybody's worst pick? Yeah. Yeah. So right. Matt, what's okay. your least favorite? I have to go for Amazing Spider-Man two. That's my least favorite. Oh, uh, what? What do you for mean? Real? Amazing Spider-Man Zach, 2 no, no, is the worst. We can't. We can't. Why are we yeah, list one? Amazing no. Spider-Man 1 is for sure my least favorite. That's the one I genuinely think is like a garbage movie. Like, really? I, mean, I, I do not like Amazing Spider-Man 1. I like so moments boring. in 1 more than 2. Ryan, At least, what's your least favorite? My least favorite is going to be Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mine is also Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's genuinely wow, what? <laughs> Zach, it's really bad. It's a trash garbage no, movie. I, like, you need to rewatch well, it because well, like, it's because gen- I rewatched okay, it and I okay. almost vomited. Like I, I, he vomited. I'm gonna on watch it. it. Yeah, it was. I vomited like all over. Ryan, it was disgusting. I'm for sure gonna rewatch it, but <laughs> I think it's as messy as Spider-Man Three, but without the redeeming qualities. Like it's just it doesn't work that's as true. well. Like I it's just true. it's just the messy parts. It does have great moments like the gwen death is yeah. phenomenal like yeah. that is so well done and him mm-hmm. it like andrew garfield's acting during that moment yeah that is also really powerful but that's it everything else is terrible but like that really is true. not a lot there's not a lot in that one to latch on you don't know who i am cool. i'm electro <laughs> <laughs> don't you know uh okay so our sixth favorite matt yeah i think i think this one has to be amazing spider-man one Okay. Yeah. Both the chasms. 
right yeah, now. Sorry, game. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> you're, you're falling at the bottom. Uh, Zach. I think we know what it is. It's like Spider-Man 2. <laughs> so we're, <Okay>. we're flipped. <laughs> it's definitely like, it's definitely bottom barrel, but like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's things in the movie that remind me of Raimi's like character type of stuff. Not like, legitimately like how it's well done or anything but in how hokey it is whereas i feel like a main spider-man one isn't even like entertaining in that aspect like at least electro is basically like the riddler from batman and robin like I <laughs> yeah feel he like, is very much so yeah. yeah like at least it's like at least there's the osborne shake like <laughs> there's just very strange things throughout the whole movie and i feel like I feel like it's more entertaining. You got Paul Giamatti as the rhino. Like it's way more entertaining. It's so than bad, Zach. <laughs> Risa Fons is so boring. Like, God, he is. Yeah, so boring. but Paul Giamatti as the rhino is so fucking bad. <laughs> I, I love like I'm the rhino. They know. <laughs> I'm going to crush you, little spider. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I don't know. I feel like there's more entertaining aspects to it. It's, it's so just funny. I rewatch Amazing Spider-Man one like probably a couple months ago because i was just curious mm -hmm. and it was so boring like it's one of the it's the only spider-man movie like i actively didn't like wow it's ryan stunning. you're number six dylan i'm interested to see if we are in agreement on this one but my sixth is far Don't from say home. It. god damn. I was we are in 100 percent agreement yeah, yeah, it's yeah far from home, dude. Far yes, from home so bad nothing is happening in that movie and it's so goddamn boring no uh, way. It's so bad, dude. Where's the main Spider-Man 1? Name one thing that happens in that movie. I can't. I forgot it all. It's so so <laughs> no. not memorable the that Mysterio, it's just terrible. The Mysterio stuff is way more memorable than everything that the Lizard was doing. That one Mysterio scene when he does the reveal, he's like, see, that wasn't so hard. That was yeah. The, that's a great that's scene. That's the best yeah. moment of that. That's the, <laughs> the best moment of that film. Yeah. The, like, the hallucination scenes, I feel like are really like... Okay, they're good, too. That was good. I feel like yeah. they're pretty good. They're okay. I don't like the CGI. It looks terrible. But don't get me wrong. The lizard is really done poorly. But everything they do with Peter in that in the Amazing Spider-Man and like his journey is great. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so moving on to our fifth favorite, Matt. Hmm. I'm I'm like kind of going in between, but I think I think my fifth might be Homecoming. Homecoming. Oh. That's yeah. kind of a spicy take. Why? I, I know. I, well, wow. I, I, even before I, Far From Home, I think I like Far From Home more, which I know is a really hot take for you guys. But like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, it's it's a fun time. Like, I don't think you guys are giving enough credit, like, to how fun the like the whole like um the supporting cast is too. Like, I think the like the Ned, uh, like love story thing, and uh, Martin Starr as the teacher. I don't know. All that stuff really worked for me. And I also thought none of this is ringing a bell. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I don't remember any of that either. But... Oh, <laughs> exactly. I guess I guess I guess I'm the only one. But I thought it was fun. Stuff. Yeah, the yeah. Mysterio stuff I also thought was really fun though. Like, Interesting. I, it's I don't know. It worked for me. I also liked the uh I liked like the Mysterio time breaking thing, like where he has the illusions and everything. I don't know. All of it worked for me. And then the end, I will agree, doesn't have like the best last act. Like that whole thing on the bridge with the drones is not the strongest part of the movie for me. But uh, I don't know. I think I like it more than Homecoming. I feel like so, it's more unique. No, not more than unique than Homecoming. But I don't know. Wow. It, it's, it's exactly like cool your number five. Thing. Um, my number five is probably Far From Home. I do think I like Homecoming more, but it's it's still like entertaining. Like number five on like a Spider-Man thing is still like 
like a really entertaining movie to me. Like I, I still really like like Far From Home. And I, I do enjoy just seeing Mysterio and I think it's an interesting take on Mysterio to where it just fits pretty well within the MCU, but still doesn't sacrifice like that I don't know, that like magic kind of stuff. Like I don't know. I feel like it it was kind of just like a genius take on the MCU Mysterio. That's mm-hmm. my big takeaway from the movie. I don't remember anything with like Spider Man. I don't <laughs> yeah, remember I know anything. nothing about that movie. Yeah, the, the I should probably Europe rewatch trip. it. Yeah, before that, we go see No Way Home. That's Europe, true. <laughs> the Europe trip. I don't remember any of that. I'm sure it's entertaining, but the whole the movie big, was the Europe trip. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but I, I don't remember any of like the those like weird elemental monsters that they were doing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Such a weird opening. But once Bizarre. they got into the Mysterio stuff. I I enjoyed all the Mysterio stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ryan, based on your first two that you list, I think you and I are going to end up having the same list. That is my prediction. So can I guess your number five? We we actually might. Uh, go ahead. Is I'll it guess. Amazing Spider-Man 1? It is. And wow. yours is also Amazing Spider-Man Yes, it is. Yeah. That one was so boring, bro. I think Ryan and I are going to have the exact same <laughs> list. We might. Which we is kind of beautiful. Might. Wow. Amazing. All right, That's number four. So you had... Amazing Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man Homecoming, your number four. Matt. Uh, so I think this one is going to be Far From Home. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I just have them flipped. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I do also have to rewatch them because it's been a little bit since I've seen them. So maybe Far From Home is like just sticking out more in my head. And I will say like the Vulture is better on rewatch too. At first, I wasn't huge into Michael Keaton's Vulture, but... um. Yeah, I don't know. They're pretty close for me. Like, they're not that far off. The mm-hmm. same way, like, the Amazing Spider-Man movies are pretty low for me. I feel like the Tom Holland ones are good, and then there's a huge gap between the next three. <laughs> so, I don't know. They're, they're almost a little interchangeable for me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Gotcha. So, I'd probably go for, yeah, Far From Home. Far from home. Okay. Zach, is yours Homecoming? Yes, it is. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> if it was. That being said. But, honestly, I would probably, uh, I don't know. No, no. Okay, I was gonna say maybe there is an argument for Homecoming being better than Spider-Man Three. I wouldn't say so, but I could hear an argument for it and would like entertain it. But for me, I think Homecoming is definitely number four, just in terms of like Michael Keaton and all that kind of stuff. Like he's like amazing in the movie, but also I feel like Spider-Man in this movie is the most. I feel like. Uh, like human, like a Marvel Spider-Man movie or Mar- Marvel interpretation of Spider-Man has been, because you got like Avengers, you got the uh, Far From Home, but I feel like in those it kind of loses that like human feeling that I feel like Spider-Man: Homecoming kind of had with like him interacting with his neighborhood, him going to like the cap like that diner, cafe, whatever it was that mm-hmm. gets blown up. I feel like there was a little bit of interaction with the New York stuff that I kind of forget. But I feel like he was very good in this movie, and it's just a good Spider-Man movie overall. Mm-hmm. Not amazing, like the next three, <laughs> but still very entertaining as a Spider-Man movie. Gotcha. So we have, so you both had the two John, amazing Spider-Mans, the amazing Spider-Man Holland's. Holland's. yeah, the Mark and Webbs, the and then the John Wads. Yeah, uh, but you had them in like flipped order, yeah, which is interesting, yeah. yeah. I can 100% say that with full, complete confidence, I can guess the rest of everybody's list. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it, probably not. 
Really? You think I'll get tripped up on your Zach? Well, I feel like you might get tripped up on Matt and I's because I feel like Matt and I's might be Matt. We so. know. Well, no, we yeah, I, I, I we do. Know. You know me. Yeah, we yeah, know that so one. Basically. Zach, you may Zach placement of it might be a mystery, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ryan is your number four homecoming. No, Spider Man three. Correct. Yeah, me too. Yep. We yeah. had the same list. Goddamn. We do. <laughs> it was inevitable. So boring, right? It's always gonna end this way. It's fascinating though, that that came about. So predictable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Matt, yours. How about you guys guess the rest of our list? All right, yeah. I'm gonna say that Matt is gonna be three, two, one, and that Zach is gonna be two, three, two, three, one. Ryan, what do you say? Interesting. So you're saying I agree with Matt for sure. I think uh, Zach will like three more than two, just because he was talking about how he hasn't seen two as much. That's true. Even but though I think he respects have... more, I think for nostalgia, he's gonna say that might be did. true, especially since there's a personal connection of him and Matt bonding over it. But he may also really have grown to appreciate Spider-Man Two based on our discussion of it. But yeah, he might need a revisit yeah, in order to truly <laughs> connect with it more. Um. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll I'll concur. All right, Matt, what what is your last three ranking? So my last R, you guys were correct. It is three. Yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah. You got to give it to. I mean, yeah, Spider Man Three definitely is like just a little bit lower, but still yeah. a lot higher for me than the mm-hmm. Tom Holland ones. Uh, and then yeah, two and one are very close. It could be one or the other. I honestly want to watch two again because I feel like that's the one that I felt least, like I I remembered the least of the three. Uh, but yeah, three, two, one for me. Zach, were we correct? Is it two, three, one? Well, I feel like personally, probably correct. Oh, I'm wow. too good at this, man. Oh, oh man, okay, two, three, one, as in like, like, two, as in like, like your personal words. Like, what do you? Who's like? the worst? Three, and then three, and then one is the best. Yeah, yeah. I would say probably for myself personally, it would go two, three, one in terms of like. I don't know. Like I've said, go get me some nuts so many times in my life. <laughs> like I don't know. There's it's such like a uneven movie, but there's just something about that movie. Like Spider-Man Two is like legitimately the best, but there's something about it being so perfect that I don't really relate to as much. But Spider-Man Three being so just like ah, oh, this is like not that good <laughs> makes yeah. me like it even more. Like, could I say, is it just me? Because I could have sworn. Because in the second movie, she makes a chocolate cake for Peter, right? Yes. I could have sworn in the third movie, she was feeding him chocolate cake and not cookies. Like, I could have sworn it was no, chocolate it's cake. Cookies. It is a cookie. I could have sworn <laughs> to myself that it was cake. Because I, I, I looked over at Spencer and I was like, isn't isn't in the third one she feeds him the cake because he's a douchebag? And he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then it was cookies and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think he plop he like pops the cookie in his mouth and then he says, Go get me some nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, like do, do you have any with nuts? And she's like, I yeah. could make some with nuts. She's like, yeah, go yeah, go get me some nuts. <laughs> Dude, that Matt and I have said that so many it's, times throughout yeah. friendship. Like, it's like kind of ridiculous how much we reference that line for no reason. Like, and also you'll get your right when you fix this damn door. <laughs> God damn. That movie's so good. I also have to give it to that like the clothesline scene. I think that's like the most rewatchable moment in any movie for me. Is like just rewinding. Yeah, the clotheslining. Like the I sound just effect. it is satisfying it, when he gets bumped as... on the <laughs> like ventilation tube. <laughs> it was like fifty yeah. times in a row. 
it was mm. as funny every <laughs> single I think time. There was a night get Matt and I watched it, watched just that scene of him being bonked on the head <laughs> like a hundred times in a row, just laughing uh, like a sleepover that we're having. Like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I would probably say two, three, or uh, yeah, two, three, one, two, three, one, and of course, Ryan. Our final three are going to be three, one, two. Yes, three, one, homecoming. What one, two? You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> you flubbed it on the end. You had it. <laughs> I did. I did the same thing because we. I was about to say homecoming on the last one. Then I went, oh wait, no, it's Spider-Man three. Right. I keep. I'm in the Raimi mindset, but yeah, it is homecoming, one, two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see an argument. For but that. they're all very close. Like, again, quality-wise, mm-hmm. I think, like, that's the actual ranking of it. But Spider-Man 3 holds such a special place in my heart. Like, I could yeah. put any of those four movies on and just truly be in love with it. Yeah. It would be a great time. So, yeah, that is our our list of the live-action Spider-Man rankings. We'll see soon where No Way Home will place on that list. We got to do another podcast. Yeah. About <laughs> oh, absolutely. Thoughts on, what do you guys predict no for, like, its placement? Like, do you think uh, it could surpass something? I think it'll either be, like, around Far From Home or it'll be close to Homecoming. Like, it'll be, like, right next to one of the other Tom Hollands in mm-hmm. either a good way or a bad way. But I don't think yeah. it'll surpass one and two in the Raimi ones. But I also don't think it'll be as bad as Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, yep. I'm anticipating oh, okay. uh, five or six. Five or six, yeah. Like I think I'm in agreement with you guys, too. Yes. Yeah. I think it could, if it is good enough, I think it could overtake Homecoming. But really, it would be hard because Homecoming is. It would be. I yeah, think we'll it'll, see how they. I don't with... think it's gonna be as bad as Spider Man Three is. So I think it'll either be above Homecoming or right below Homecoming. So I think it'll be either four or three. Right. If Toby is in this, or five, depending or on how they deal with him, that could really decide. How yeah, it kind of has potential mm-hmm. to to fall right under the Raimi movies, just like everything with That's Toby true. all in a row. Because if it nails it, if it absolutely nails it, and we get that Elfman score as he yeah. goes through swinging triumphantly oh, in the frame, dude, bro, and, and then, he doesn't then, die, then, then we'll be good. Be, oh. But what if he dies? And it's great. Like, I'm it's a great farewell. I no, I don't want. I just him. don't want to see him die. No. I want a Spider-Man four. <laughs> I want to see you cry in the theaters, Ryan. I want to see you on your knees begging for his life. You're gonna be doing. I don't know. They they'd have to have because. Toby's crying face is incredible. Who's going to be doing that crying face for him when he's dead? It's true. MJ, they bring her back, bro. Oh, that'd be so that would sad. be phenomenal. That, I don't. If she, if it's, if it's like it. a Tony Stark goodbye where she says you can go now and then he dies. Ooh, talk about like you thought Tony Stark was sad, bro. God damn, that'd be crazy. I really hope. I wish. I mean, it'd be a long shot. It never would have a million years. But I wish they play around with the multiverse and like actually do a Spider-Man four of like a Logan type spider-man 4 with peter parker and it's like his send-off and they could even transfer it to miles or they could have him die in that movie but i want him to do it like in his own movie where we get a fully fleshed out goodbye to him instead i don't of think toby mccarthy's gonna do that tacked on he money talks brother he's got money does pay. talk but i mean he's old well that's okay you can only do so many action scenes but i guess so well, he wouldn't be doing action scenes anymore because they would just put somebody else in the suit yeah but if he was down to do that I would, we would pay. We would pay. Every every single be... every single action scene. My back. <laughs> my back. How would you guys rank uh into the Spider-Verse? Oh, it would mm. probably be above like right below two or right above. It might be my number one, but it really? also might be my number two. Yeah, it's 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 high up there, bro. Damn. Yeah, I don't feel the same way. It surpasses Spider-Man three for sure, and it might surpass Spider-Man two. It definitely surpasses Spider-Man one. 
Wait, what? Dude, I love Into the Spider-Verse. Above Spider-Man 2? Maybe. I have to rewatch it because I rewatched yeah. Spider-Man 2 very recently. I, I would have, have to, to rewatch it. I think it might it be well. I think it might go Spider-Man 1, Spider-Verse and then Spider-Man 2 is the best. Oh I think that's God. probably where it is, but I'm remembering how much I loved just the theater being in there with all those people watching Spider-Verse was just one of the best theater experiences of my entire life. It was awesome. That's sure. insane. That's all. I mean, I'm glad that you liked it that way. Dude, sitting there and when she when they were like when he's like, "What is your name?" and she says, Oct- or uh, what is it? Octavia Octavius and the entire theater went, "Ooh." <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. It was good. I would definitely have to rewatch it though to see where it would place. It'll probably be, I mean, it would be within the top five, right? It would definitely be above Amazing Spider-Man. It would be above all the Garfield and Hollands. I'd have to be see somewhere the, in the two Raimis. Because like, it was definitely better than Homecoming. It was a very enjoyable experience. Like, it's a fun, lighthearted, like, impactful movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it definitely embodies what you want out of a, a Spider-Man movie. I'd have to go back and see it to see where it lies. Because it may be, I don't know, I feel like I could place it above homecoming by like drew Drew, but i don't know if it beats one and two of the mcguire movies for me it definitely beats one but it probably doesn't beat two two is just so good it is yeah anyway we are doing i mean they're gonna have across the spider-verse come out next year so yeah we bring everyone back for yeah where we talk about the animated or the video game the other non-live action and the tv shows just whenever a spider-man thing comes out Mm-hmm. gotta do a podcast <laughs> oh yeah exactly anyway thank you guys for coming out thank you matt thank you zach you guys of have course. been absolutely fantastic talk talk to you thank you bobby who's not here for coming out if he's listening to this i don't know if he will uh that's all the time we this have is, to get hold here. on this is more? we are at like two hours and 50 minutes total yeah. of the podcast so this is officially <laughs> the longest <laughs> spider-man movie of all time hey <laughs> we did it guys we've done it look at that never <laughs> underestimate our abilities to talk about rainy movies exactly i told you when you're passionate about it we're gonna go long yeah <laughs> we're gonna go really long yeah anyway that's all the time we got if you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make suggestions for the movie of the week you can email us at the box office show at gmail.com our main title theme for the show is sundown by joseph mcdade stay tuned next week we'll be releasing our episode with giving our thoughts on spider-man no way home go check it out it's in theaters on december 17th early showings on december 16th make sure you see it that weekend so that you can listen to our podcast the next week goodbye Bye.